The following podcast contains spoilers and adult language. We recommend watching the movie beforehand, but hey, that isn't your bag? No worries. You do you. Brought to you by our patrons over at patreon.com slash matineemanities. If you'd like to support the show, consider becoming a patron. Donations start at just $1 a month, and half of all proceeds after hosting costs will go towards actual manatee habitat preservation, because we like to pay it forward by giving back. Enjoy the show. We're the only podcast on the internet where people watch movies and talk about them. I'm Ben. I'm Sam. And hey, I'm Anthony. That that works. Shut up. Don't have any new sponsors this month to give shoutouts to, but we're also recording this like a week after the last one because of schedules. Two weeks? I don't know. It hasn't yeah. been that long. No, it hasn't. Who, who was your number one sponsor last week? Uh, that'd be Nick. Nick, uh, another shout-out for Nick. Hey, Nick. Was he the one who dropped that awesome message? Or was that the other? Uh, it's they. Uh, no, that was Pat. Pat, right, okay. So Nick and Pat are cool. Yeah. They're all cool. Um, I can do it. I can do a shout out to everyone who's on. Uh, Gotta look it up real quick. But. Well, you don't have everything prepared that you. that we, we say. Is gonna happen even though you don't know what's gonna happen in advance. Look, man, I have all of the new sponsors and their shoutouts written down, and this week that's none. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> so Nick, Nick and Pat, 
you don't have to shut up. You can stay up a little later. out that Batman Begins, the really popular movie, was actually a huge ripoff of a little known other movie called Batman Forever. It stole the characters, it stole the basic premise, it stole everything. And this was literally everything. So we had to go watch it. Oh, I mean, it by small, but little small indie director, right? He just did a lot of kind of little things. Joel Schumacher. Joel Schumacher. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, mostly does stuff for focus features, but like really small stuff for focus features, so it's even more indie than indie. Actually, at, at this point in his career, I think he'd made more music videos than, than movies. That's actually true. <laughs> um, in the 90s? Yeah, I don't totally know his, like, history in the 90s. Yeah, He'd done, he did a bunch um, of music videos for In Excess and, uh... Really? Yeah. I only think of him for whatever reason. Uh, I think of him as Lost Boys, and I think of him... As, um, oh, fuck, what's that? It's like a scary movie. Flatliners? Also... Yes, that's the other one yeah. I think of for. He did Flatliners, St. Elmo's Fire, uh, Phantom of the Opera, which I think was much more his wheelhouse. Honestly, uh, he's not. Uh, I've never seen it. Sorry, I've never seen Phantom of the Opera. The I mean, more recent one. Yeah, the one with uh, 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 Leonidas. Oh, I've not seen that. Although that's good, that's that's not a recurring theme for every it's, movie. It's as good as Phantom of the Opera is, just the musical, but it has that Joel Schumacher look of everyone's very good looking, and there's just statues of naked golden men everywhere. Leonidas? Yeah, from the like, movie 300. Like Gerard Butler? That's the one. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to say Dracula. 
because that's the only movie I know him from. That's weird casting. <laughs> I love the description of actors as characters from other movies because I just think of that character and now I'm thinking of now I'm thinking of Leonidas as the Phantom. (laughs) Yeah, I mean. Don't worry, I'm gonna be doing that a lot for this review, too. So, Batman Forever, 1995, directed by Joel Schumacher of Lost Boys and Flatliners and St. Elmo's Fire and Phantom of the Opera fame. And had six writers, so I didn't write their names down, but that's not a good sign. It seems excessive. It's a lot. Uh, It has a 39% on Rotten Tomatoes tomato meter and a 32% audience appreciation score. It's a 5.4 on IMDb and it has four stars on Amazon. Everything else has 4.5, so that is a damning review for Amazon. (laughs) Except that, uh, at the time, Roger Ebert kinda loved this movie, and he was pretty much the film critic of the day. Well, spoiler alert, I kind of love this movie, but that doesn't mean it's good. That does not mean it's good. Listen, there's there's two different categories here. (laughs) Sam, I've always said, I've always said to you, Sam, that Ben is basically Roger Ebert Avatar. Of course. Every time yeah. we've ever talked, it's like you, you happen to bring it up. Even sometimes apropos of nothing. You're like, hey man, doesn't Ben remind you of Roger Ebert? It's like, yeah, of course. Yeah, last time you got a little testy about it because I brought it out of nowhere. I think you're sick of hearing it. I like that guy. That is a fine comparison. Yeah. Cow. Rest in peace, Roger. Oh, he's the dead one. Yeah, he lost his jaw and then expired. Relatively soon thereafter. He lost his jaw? Yeah, he had, he like, I don't know, jaw cancer, throat cancer, bone yeah. cancer, something, something nasty. 
and it was he was kind of he was documenting the whole thing. It was kind of a uh, an inspiring "Don't give up uh, other people who have cancer" sort of thing. But yeah, he uh, he stopped being a movie reviewer because he could no longer speak because he lost his entire job. Well. I read the words that he wrote about Batman forever and they will stay with me always. <laughs> oh, I like that guy. Uh, it's also, it, it is starring Val Kilmer uh, most famously to me of Tombstone who's also in Top Gun and The Saint and The Doors and Real Genius and what I'm going to try doing is instead of using any sort of internet search engine to tell people or to tell me about their careers I'm just going to list every movie I personally remember them from. He's also in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which was great. He was also in a movie. I wanted to get another movie I haven't seen. The Island of Dr. Moreau. Which I, 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 I want to see that because I've heard it's a train wreck and I really want to see it. That's the one, it's starring, I never remember that actor's name, but the, uh, Lupin. No, 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 the, he's, he's Professor Lupin, and he's the bad guy in Wonder Woman. He was the prince in Dragonheart, which I also loved when I was a kid. Uh... <laughs> that I think might have held up a little better than Batman Forever did. <laughs> he was the prince in Dragonheart? Uh, Val Kilmer wasn't. I'm saying the out Dr. Moreau starred this other guy whose name I don't remember. Oh, yeah. Okay, very different actors. Yeah, okay. David Thewlis. Hmm. Is the guy who I remember from Dr. Val Kilmer was, of course... Jim Morrison in The Doors. He was. He was the genius in Real Genius. He was the saint in The Saint. He was the top gun in Top Gun. Hmm. And he was the tombstone in Tombstone. <laughs> so that was... Uh, yep. Makes sense. Checks out. He he carried that movie. Kurt Russell's also very good, but two stars Val Kilmer's movie. <laughs> and if you haven't seen it, you should. I'll be right back then. 
I gotta go watch it. Yeah, okay. Hold on. We're gonna play elevator music for the next two and a half hours. It's gonna be super chill. We should do that one if you haven't seen it before. Let's yeah. Uh, definitely. I just showed yeah. that to Tony for the first time, like, um, two months ago, three months ago. Yeah. I'm down. Yeah, the thing with Val Kilmer's film history, he's really solid in a lot of things in it. And I just want to clear, this isn't a criticism because I've actually come around to liking Bill Kilmer's version of Batman for what it is, but he really followed this this role in. <laughs> well, it's weird, like, he started out pretty interesting, then just steadily became more wooden as, as the movie progressed. Seemed like. Yeah. Yeah, he just stopped using the littlest smirk that he used to show that he had any interest in what was going on, and then just gave nothing. Well, apparently, it was sort of a clusterfuck behind the scenes because Val Kilmer didn't like Joel Schumacher. Tommy Lee Jones didn't like Jim Carrey. I assume Nicole Kidman didn't like anyone. And it's sort of just... <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Wasn't there something about, um... About Tommy Lee Jones just very candidly telling Carrie that he thought he was a buffoon or an idiot just to his face? Uh, according Something to Jim like Carrey, yeah, he like came up to him at a restaurant or something before they started filming to say, you know, hey, uh, nice to meet you, we're going to be doing a film together, and Tommy's just like, I don't like you. Uh, I think you're a clown and I can't sanction it or something. Which... I mean, considering Tommy Lee Jones' performance in this movie, slightly hypocritical. Yeah. <laughs> considering yeah. how much, how much of the scenery Tommy Lee Jones is gonna pick out of his teeth after this movie, I yeah. love it. It's <laughs> so yeah. Also starring Jim Carrey, who I know of as er who I know as Ace Ventura. He's also the mask and the cable guy and the dumb and dumber guy. 
was essentially just one of the knockoff characters that they were doing in the comics to try to keep the create like the ongoing list of bad guys. Someone just like made the Riddler to kind of be their thing without because they couldn't always use the Joker, basically. So, you mean Riddler was a knockoff of the Joker? Uh, yeah, essentially. Gotcha. No, I mean, that kind of makes sense, because they both, what, one tells jokes and one tells riddles, and jokes and riddles are the same thing, kind of. Mm. Kind of. Kind of. Kind of. They're both super elaborate and dressed brightly in purple and green. They just change the ratio of purple and green. <laughs> it depends on, like, what era you're into for the, for the characters, like... If, you, if we're even just comparing Forever Riddler, who is essentially just Jim Carrey in yeah. spandex dancing around, at least that era, he's, you know, okay, I'm going to finish what I was going to say in a second, but I'm going to move on to this other thing. Jim Carrey was unexpectedly good at using that highly foliated cane. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, he had like he had full on like cheerleader baton skills. I was pretty impressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I assume they went through like twenty canes through that movie. But, uh, but he probably actually spent time, like, practicing and training and trying to make sure that he could, uh, make it look like a fluid motion whenever he moved it out or he twirled it around. As it, was, it was actually pretty cool. Well, he, he definitely took it seriously. Like, didn't he make yeah. like twenty million dollars for this movie or something? I think this was at the point where he started making twenty million for every movie. Yeah, so I bet he put the time in because he wasn't. Oh yeah, that huge yet. No, he was he was pretty huge, like, because uh, he had, uh, it was Ace Ventura, The Mask, and Dumb and Dumber all came out in the same year. Right, but I mean, he hadn't, if they came out two or three years before, I would assume he was huge and knew how much he was worth. If they all come out that year, it means he was really pushing and trying to become the, uh... Well, because I think... Right? I, th I think it was those... 
I think it was those three movies all came out the same year. Then The Cable Guy came out the next year, and I think that was the first movie he made $20 million for, was Cable Guy. I think. This is, this is 25, this is like 20-year-old memories for me, so... I could be completely wrong on this, but I'm pretty sure that was his first $20 million movie. Cable Guy also was one of the first times uh, you kind of got to see some range out of him because <laughs> it was a really odd, dark comedy. Well, he... He showed a little bit in the mask, just going back and forth between his cartoon yeah. persona and then a guy who's supposed to be believable as a human being. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so there's also Tommy Lee Jones. Who I remember from The Fugitive and No Country for Old Men and Men in Black and The Valley of Elah and The Three Burials of Malkinus Estrada, which is a really good movie that it seems like most people haven't seen. Uh, I haven't heard of it, so I guess I'll have to watch it. He was also in U.S. Marshal, the really not cared about sequel to the fugitive. <laughs> and I mean, I think everyone knows who Tommy Jones is. He's the best. He's the scary guy who's played in Texas Marshal and like seven different things. <laughs> yeah, he's good. Yeah. He's often one of those actors. This movie is a big exception who plays kind of, you feel like, a version of himself. He's just saying things you wouldn't normally say. Oh, well... I, th I feel like parts parts of this movie, he, it seems kind of like his the more like his, his usual style of character when he's doing the the sort of the very low, quiet, whispery monologues that sort of thing. It feels kind of more like his. First thirty seconds on screen, he yeah, very quickly. Yeah, I mean he does it like one other time in the movie, but like that's that's that seems like pretty prime Tommy Lee Jones, and then he just yeah, then he just proceeds to uh, nom the scenery for the next two hours, but yeah. Then he's just unexpectedly trying to 
compete with the guy he doesn't respect. Which you can't do. You can't yeah, outcarry no. Jim Carrey. And no, you can't. But listen, one of the things that I really like about this movie, I was a little surprised to learn how much they all hate each other because it always looked like they were having fun. Oh, like yeah. Two of them. Oh, yeah. Which, once you realize the movie is bad anyway and you can't blame them for that, then those were the scenes I enjoyed most, you know? <laughs> like, they would be ruining the movie if the rest of the movie was good, but because it's not, I really enjoyed those scenes. <laughs> <laughs> Also starring Nicole Kidman from Moulin Rouge, Eyes Wide Shut, The Hours, and Cold Mountain. I haven't seen her as many other things. In, I think, just the most perfect role for her ever written because in it, Nicole Kidman plays a woman trying to get more attention from an influential, very rich man who is secretly gay and used to star in Top Gun. <laughs> so... <laughs> it's... It's right in her wheel. <laughs> So you're saying Nicole Kidman was born to play the character of Dr. Chase Meridian in the third sequel to a Batman movie? Yes! <laughs> that was your destiny. Yeah? Uh... Chase Meridian, the character, is just, just very revealing as to how obnoxious straight people must seem to Joel Schumacher, which is, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's just, it's like, you guys act like this, you <laughs> do it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's just straight up. The movie opens, and she's just. By the way, it opens great. It, it's like a. It's like an episode of Brave and the Bold Batman, where it just opens in the middle of a caper, and then moves on, which is what which I love going back to the movie but it opens and it's like the first scene of dialogue is with Batman the commissioner 
and Chase Meridian at the scene of a pretty intense robbery with acid everywhere and potential murder. <laughs> and she's it's very elaborate. Like, yeah, hey, Batman, I like your rubber suit. I want to suck your dick. And the, <laughs> and, and the commissioner is just standing right there. And there's more pressing matters going on. Well, the commissioner is always just standing there. The commissioner in <laughs> yeah. these movies. <laughs> like, By the way, it is the same commissioner from the Burton movies. Yeah, but he's just... He's just... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, not doing as much as he was, like when he was running around the the whatever Acme or Ace Warehouse in the first one, looking for Joker. Well, and apparently, uh, sorry, I'm just going back to the cast list. But apparently, Nicole oh, yeah. is going to be in Aquaman whenever that comes out. Hmm. So she didn't get enough of the whole Justice League thing with this one. She's going back in. Good for her. Oh, is she going to be Aquaman's wife? Either that or his mom, right? Like, she's the queen, but I forget if, if that means that his wife or his mother one of the two oh, yeah they're probably not gonna do an older Aquaman okay. well it's it's not Marvel so she doesn't need to be 20 years younger than him well, uh, to be his romantic relationship like it's not <laughs> it's not the creepy ass Avengers thing they keep doing no one seems to talk about <laughs> <laughs> hey there's a couple articles on HuffPo it's really just the two I guess no we talked about this it's three what was the third one? Uh, so, the Hulk man Black Banner is dating Black Widow. Who could be his daughter just by the math, I think. It's yeah. Paul Bettany and that not Olsen twin Olsen. Mm hmm. And. Old Man Bettany. Um, Who's the other one? The, the Stark Pepper Potts relationship is pretty out on the point as far that as age okay. goes. Maybe it's yeah. Doctor Strange and Regina from Mean Girls one? Uh, Ray, Rachel McAdams. 
Yeah, although she might be like a hundred years old just doesn't age. I'm not sure, because... I, mean, yeah, I don't know. But, but yeah, you're right. Nicole Kidman's probably going to be Aquaman's mom. Yeah, because she'd be an age-appropriate relationship and they can't have that. Or she'll pull a Kate Blanchett and be the villain. That was good casting. Yeah, I'm not sure about that movie in general, but she was great. She's always great. That's not surprising. That means nothing. So then who is Dick? Uh, Chris O'Donnell who I know from NCIS and Three Musketeers. That's it. What, was he or was he not in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World? Am I remembering that wrong? I don't know. I didn't look him up. I should have. Damn it. I might be thinking of someone else. Using him with Chris Evans. That's probably what's happening. Because I think Chris Evans goes in and plays like a kind of a douchey frat style guy. Yeah, I think that was okay. I think that's what it was, yeah. I mean, Sorry, a lot of people I, in that movie, though. Yeah, but I I don't I don't remember actors by like faces. I remember them by names, and obviously I'm not doing a good job this time either. Yeah, the um, the Human Torch slash Captain America guy. Is the superhero guy that Scott Pilgrim had to fight. Okay, so that was... Yeah. I don't think that was Chris O'Donnell. He's also the... one of only two actors who played the Human Torch in a relatively bad movie and then it was redeemed in a different Marvel movie as a different character. Because hmm. Killmonger was also the Human Torch. Killmonger was? Killmonger was the Human Torch in the new one. The, uh, the one no one saw. The... Fantastic Four from like three years ago. I forgot that he was in... I forgot that he was in Musketeers, because he played... He was the guy D'Artagnan. He played, he played D'Artagnan, which comic nerd alert moment... Some of the original concepts when they were creating Batman in whatever, late 30s, early 40s, was combining kind of conceptually D'Artagnan and Sherlock Holmes. 
Interesting. So it's all connected, so it's literally all connected. Uh, everything, everything's a remix. Uh, what's his name? Kirby did those videos. I should plug him, but I don't remember his name. All I'm saying is Chris O'Donnell was destined. Everything in his life <laughs> led him, just like Nicole Kidman, to be the perfect person to be a Batman forever. If you can, if you can see these patterns you always predict with 100% accuracy in the past, just like five minutes in the future, that would be great. <laughs> Just follow these. I'm honing. I'm honing this ability. I need to make some money. <laughs> uh, the budget was a hundred million dollars this movie. Apparently it made about three hundred and thirty million dollars. Two recasts. I don't know if this was Joel Schumacher or the producers or whatever. They obviously canned Tim Burton um, after Batman Returns had a little too much face looking and electrocution deaths to sell toys. <laughs> yeah, that Catwoman toy. That was, <laughs> that was weird. Uh, this one I can definitely see why it sold toys. I have a much longer relationship with the Glass McDonald's Batman Forever mugs than I do with the movie itself. Hmm. Like, that's most of my memories, those glasses they had had off those were cool I remember those yeah it was like a bass relief like character and background then what the two face one had like his coin flipping was the handle and the Riddler had like the the question mark they were alright. But, in addition to getting rid of Burton and Michael Keaton, I think quitting because they got rid of Burton, but maybe they got rid of him on purpose also. Billy T. Williams was already set up as Harvey Dent in the other movies. Yep. And they replaced him. And Marlon Wayans was going to be Robin. They replaced him because they won more white people in the movie. As so, if there weren't enough already. Yeah, that's, I mean, that was... Billy D. Williams would have been great. Billy D. Williams is always great. <laughs> How do you think, or do you think Michael Go had any opinions about the change in this movie? 
Brings Michael Chico. Oh, he's he's dead on as Alfred. Oh, okay. And like, so I wondered, like, oh, he stayed for all four movies. So obviously he was getting some money from it. But you know, he's an old British guy, like. How much did he care about the American superhero movies? Whether the movies themselves are good or not, he's solid in this one. Like, Michael Go is not a problem. No, he's, oh, no. he's, not he's, he's objectively my favorite character in the movie, actually. <laughs> Michael Goh is not objectively, right? Entirely subjectively my favorite character in the movie. You know, he's he's the MVP very early on. He stays there. And, uh, sorry. No, nothing. I that's a keep going. So, um, when they're looking to replace uh, Michael Keaton before the sell on Val Kilmer, they consider Johnny Depp, Ray Fiennes, or Fiennes, I think it's Fiennes, and Daniel Day Lewis as possibilities. What? And I'm sad. That we never saw the Daniel Day Lewis Batman. Because that guy's method as hell. Which means he would have spent one to five years before the movie stopping crime. <laughs> And the world would have been a better place for a short while. <laughs> that would have been amazing. <laughs> so we missed out on the Marlon Wayans, Daniel Day Lewis, Billy D. Williams, Batman <laughs> <laughs> <and> Forever. <laughs> Robin Williams, Batman. <laughs> Don't forget Robin. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> now listen, with the same script, it still wouldn't have been good. But listen, <laughs> I do want to see that. <laughs> I mean, he could have, he could have spun some magic with those lines, though. So. Daniel D. Lewis would have been spectacular. Has he Very attractive. Every nice thing I said about Bell Kilmer. What? <laughs> <laughs> Has Daniel Lewis ever not been spectacular? Mm, I mean, he was probably a dick when he was a teenager, but teenagers <laughs> suck. I was going to say maybe like early, early on, but I don't know. Like he's been in movies that haven't 
bothered to see because I wasn't interested in the subject matter, but he's never been. He had a really terrible twos, but besides that, he's just <laughs> been stellar. So, first question I have, why this title? Because Batman Robin is the movie where Robin is not introduced. No, that one comes Bat, later. That girl is. Yeah. So this movie where Robin first comes in is not called Batman Robin. The fourth Batman movie, Batman 4, is not called Batman Forever. That's called Batman Robin. This one's called Batman Forever. It bugs me. I I think I have I have a I have a working uh, idea of why it was called Batman Forever. Uh, I do too. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna follow you up. Okay, so my my reasoning behind this was because the when I watched this the first time, because I like to watch the movie twice before we actually talk about it. First time I like to just watch it as you know as a movie goer. And I think it was called Batman Forever because the movie felt like it lasted forever. <laughs> like I I was I'm not I'm not kidding when I tell you it felt like twenty minutes passed and I looked at the clock and five minutes had gone by and I was like Okay, I still got an hour left in this movie. Wow, it just, you it, hated this. I okay, <laughs> I I didn't okay, I didn't hate it. I definitely didn't like it though. And as a as a as a movie goer. I did not like it. Watching it with a more critical eye, it was more enjoyable, and I have eight pages of show notes for that reason. <laughs> yeah, Holy actually, shit. I thought the opposite. I, uh, I thought I wasted no time getting to all that's convoluted way too many plot lines and like there's no scene where anything's allowed to breathe like if anything for me it's kind of rushed because they put two villains and two heroes and a side romance and all the stuff in it I don't know for me it just felt like yeah, there, were, there was a lot of action going on, a lot of... And it was very cluttered. 
but they were food laundry. There were also a lot of scenes that just, it felt like they just kind of dragged on and went nowhere for minutes at a time. And then it's like, okay, we're back to the actuary. But I don't know. Yeah. But also, I do remember seeing this. I think I might have seen this in theaters. And there's one scene in particular that I flashed. I flashed back to when I was a kid, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember this scene." We'll talk about that later. We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later. But yeah, it's as a no, it's just as a as a as a as a film goer, as a movie watcher, as just a a, a consumer. Yeah, it definitely felt like it lasted forever. <laughs> Anyway, for Anthony, what do you think is going to be forever? So, I, th- I think it's partial. I think it's one answer for kind of two things because they were trying to stay connected to the previous movies slightly and that it's like the same universe they just kind of recast everybody so in my mind that just means they got a new artist basically right but Kind of the the story of the previous movie of Batman Returns. It's about Wayne kind of coming to terms with the ambiguity of what it means to be Batman. Because the first one, it's about him just like being the solid Batman character and just basically fighting a monster. Um, the second one is, since he's so solidly Batman in the first Bird movie, the second one's all about him coming to terms with the moral gray areas of being Batman. Uh, since the first movie is a little more two-dimensional and Catwoman's kind of like the, the prime reason he analyzes that because he's just super attracted to her and that makes him want to grow as a person. <laughs> Get it. Um, and so by the end of that movie, you know, he's unmasked and he's 
outside of his comfort zone and he's facing this combination of another masked person but then the thing that created her was this billionaire entity uh, that worked outside of the law so there's an unexpectedly complex kind of understory going on in Batman Returns even though it's got gigantic ducks all over the place and penguins with cannons so forever there's if you find like if if you edited out the actual story of Batman forever it would be like three minutes of the film <laughs> but that whole whole sort of like journey that once again a blonde woman a blonde dame puts Bruce Wayne on in this movie is is sort of like now that he's realize that there's ambiguity to what he does in the third film movie film's too strong a word in the third movie he has a little stupid black and white doll which thematically connects with Two-Face which is supposed to really drive home the point of him. Dream Catcher, whatever. Yeah, whatever. It's all about duality. Dr. Chase Meridian is a grown ass. And he's like, that is supposed to be the, the symbolic thing of this movie the process is like addressing that there is duality but choosing to do just like be the stoic strong Batman figure making the right choice which is a singular choice that at the end you have those two people falling but he saves both of them and then also thematically it's Batman and Robin become stronger as being one so it's just about pulling in that place he was left in the second movie and just becoming more solid which is kind of demonstrated throughout the movie this sounds this movie is not good so it's not (laughs) but there is actually like somebody some person who thought they were making art before all the executives got involved actually must have been doing some thought into what they were doing with Batman's journey. That's uh, all I, that's my well, that's my thoughts. So why is it called Batman Forever? 
Oh, because it's like, he's solid now. It's Batman forever. He's going on that more that ambiguity, this, the ambiguous, that, um, that kind of, uh, sense of loss and and he was just sort of floating at the end of the previous movie and this sort of solidifies solidifies it no like he's gonna keep going on forever also it's a rebirth of the franchise so from that sense from the branding sense it's also forever fair enough I mean, it wasn't wrong, because there's another bad movie coming out, like, next year, and it's been 23 years since this was new. Yeah. Hmm? It is stupid, though, that they named the next one Batman, Batman and Robin. Yeah, that was... I mean, I just think the two titles should have been switched because I always switch them in my head anyway then get mixed up and people are like, Batman Forever is the... is way better than Batman Robin. I'm like, no, it's not. The one with Schwarzenegger? They're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, that is a problem. Thanks, Shoemaker. <laughs> so this movie's basically a whole Riddler origin story. Like, he's the main character, as I can tell. Because it seems like they... They show his whole rise from... Just weird, obnoxious... Scientist guy, it's a weird, obnoxious supervillain guy. And that seems to be the main thing. There's also this Robin thing that you, you don't even get to the circus until like, what, half an hour into the movie at least, right? It's, I think it's more than that, isn't it? I think like, it's like a cut literal second act where they yeah. actually get closer. 50 minutes in? Yeah, it's, it's at least like 40 minutes in. But up until then, it's a movie about Jim Carrey, it seems like. Yeah, with, with anyway. occasional touches of Two Face. There's the well, whole storyline about with the bang on Two Face, but yeah, yeah. Right. And there's a there's a whole cut storyline about a red book they don't cut all of, so it's just <laughs> left. Uh, did you notice that? Yeah, like. Well, they, they, they sort of half explain it, but, yeah. 
Well, uh, I'll talk more about because I, I figured out what that cut storyline was from an interview or behind the scenes feature. I never actually watch any videos of the movies I watch. I, I read articles on the game stuff in my head. But <laughs> we'll talk about that later. Okay, so, so, it opens. You got to start for the whole... Oh, yeah. I thought we did. I thought we had started. We, no, no, yeah, we're going to no, start recording no, now. God damn it. Never gonna be able to get my herbivore diet dinner. <laughs> Hold on, I looked this up since. Okay. Okay, I didn't realize we were technically still at the beginning. So after <laughs> I'd sing his praises, I feel like. We should, I didn't know the man was dead. I feel like we should give, we should read a, an excerpt from Roger Ebert's review before we jump oh, in. do it, yeah. Hold on, um, should I just jump right in the middle or should, uh, heterosexual taste, that's probably a good place to start. <laughs> Alright. Oh, uh, okay, so. Roger Ebert, may he rest in peace. Uh, his review of Batman Forever, he gave it 2 out of 3 stars, and it was on June 16th, 1995. That's. Hey. That's mm. just next next month, you guys. That is the anniversary of this. Uh, okay, so uh, this is Roger Ebert talking. I'm quoting him. Batman would be a sensation in any leather bar. But Batman Forever is at pains to show that he has heterosexual tastes. Nicole Kidman plays Dr. Chase Meridian, who sounds like a bank, but is, in fact, a student of abnormal psychology. She's powerfully attracted to Batman the moment she meets him and wonders, wonders what he's looking for in, him, in a woman. Would it help, she wonders, if she carried a whip? Oh. She's thrilled that Batman reads her books. Not every girl makes a superhero's night table quote-unquote, but less than thrilled when her date for the Gotham City charity circus is boring old bachelor Bruce Wayne. 
Maybe the clothes do make the man. Yep, the, the one paragraph is a perfect. Good job, Roger Ebert. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll try to mention the, the gay stuff that I think didn't go far enough, but Schumacher's clearly sending up some flags. Is Schumacher gay? You may, I... You know, I, that's just the thing I assume having seen this and Batman, Robin, and the Lost Boys. It might not be, but I would put a fair amount of money on it. Alright. <laughs> but I don't know. But if yeah. he's not, he's definitely okay with it and putting it in his movies which is also so, good is it is it cause I've heard I've heard this kind of commentary on this movie before and do you think it's in some ways intentional because of Historically, the the issues and the comic rating, the outcry against what was it in the sixties about um, the relationship between Batman and Robin that psychologists got all up in arms about what comics were doing to children in America and became kind of like a thing. Like, do you think they were trying to maybe do some commentary on... Not like it was deep or penetrating commentary in any way, but do you think this was commentary? Do you think he was just accidentally making everything super gay? Oh, I think he was doing it on purpose. Uh, I just don't know if it was a... Uh, if it was for an audience he thinks is being ignored lately by the franchise, or if it's just because that's what he likes and puts in all his movies, or what? Like, I think he's actually a pretty good filmmaker, and he's doing what he's doing on purpose. I'm just not super clear on the reasoning for the Batman one specifically. But he definitely knows he's doing it. And I just looked it up. He is definitely gay. Um. <laughs> no one's ever been gayer. Well, that's not true. <laughs> but, 
but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if he was just doing it so this movie, because he has the the whole male gaze thing is um very apparent in a bunch of scenes. I don't know. That could just be for gay audience. He just ignored. It could be. He's doing it on purpose to suggest themes he doesn't quite get into. But, like, you can just see where the shots are lined up, where, like, well, there's just a shot of his butt. I just, like, when Jim Carrey's doing his leotard dance, like, he, he turns and freezes perfectly in profile so you can see his whole dick. <laughs> Which you don't even need to do, and I'm sure he had direction to do, because there's like 360 degrees that could have gone in, and it's right there, you know. Okay. There's, you know, nipples on the bat suit, close up of the butt, close up of the crotch, etc., etc. And then at the end, when he literally has to decide between this woman who keeps on getting at him and trying to change him and Dick, winds <laughs> up choosing both because he's gonna be who he is, and that's both sometimes. Like, I think he was going for something there. I don't think it was fleshed out enough or strong enough to come across because he probably couldn't get it past the producers to make as gay movies he wanted to, which I also would have liked more, I think. <laughs> I could be wrong about all of this, but listen, it's a lot of coincidences otherwise. <laughs> well, I think that, uh, or Roger Ebert, the beautiful man that he was alive today, he would agree with you. Cool. <laughs> uh, but I also am not enough of a, a queer theorist to get into what it all means and why he's doing it. I just notice it, and then, like most of the universe, fail to comprehend it and move on. Um, but I did see it. And yeah, I mean, I hope that's going on. I think that's about as deep as the movie gets as far as, like, actual subtext go. I mean, the rest of it's really just... It's just like a bunch of glittery flash. <laughs> there really isn't much, much substance. 
love, and I love, but I think didn't actually do nearly as well as I thought it was going to do. In large part because it was a little too dark and they couldn't market it to kids, which was supposed to be the primary audience at the time. So I, I think it's not like, it's not Joel Schumacher hates Tim Burton, but I think he was told, like, Grant knows that I've pulled up and put it somewhere else. Yeah, he had to follow the executives were doing. To, on your point you just made, Ben, yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of a movie casting Christopher Walken to be geared towards children. Well, what about, um, the prophecy? <laughs> that's that's a prime children's movie father right there. What about Man on Fire? Yo, what about <laughs> Yo, I invited my friends to watch that as a kid. What about Pulp Fiction? I loved Pulp Fiction when I was like 12. I actually... I don't remember what came out. I actually did see that when it first came out. And I know I've told you this, Ben. Um, and I think even though I loved it, I saw it too young. Because that's where my fear of BDSM started. <laughs> I think my fear of BSM star with Two Faces Henchman in this movie. <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. That that's a lie, audience. I don't have a fear of BDSM. Just throw uh, that out there. I mean, there's yeah. <laughs> a lot of pretty inflammatory things about BDSM to me before Ben. True story. Hmm. That's not true. He's that. He has Ben never done that ever. <laughs> Shut up, listeners. <laughs> Go to sleep. <laughs> Alright, so... So this movie starts already... Before there's anything on screen, it's already very different than the other ones because they've replaced the theme song. They've got bright, like, purple and orange and green whooshing CGI fly-by letters and stuff. Like, it's... It's... it's 
Before you see anyone, it's way different than what came before. The theme song takes you back a lot because it was a, uh... I can never remember the Batman theme song because he has two. Three if you count the TV show. The TV show I thought was pretty... Was based at least on the original Tim Burton theme song, wasn't it? It's got the same, like, two or three cues, but then this one is the one I keep remembering when I try to remember the Batman theme song, and it's totally different. So I, uh. I just discovered that's why I can never remember it, because they swapped out everything from, uh... uh it's like Danny Elfman's It might be both. Uh, but this is the one where it's that... Okay, no, there is not Daniel. It's definitely... So I, I was gonna make a joke about how the only Batman but I was thinking it was na 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 one is a theme for him. Because it's not quite a song. Okay. Yeah. Hans Zimmer's a genius, but it's a mood. It's not a song. But they definitely, the, um, the, the theme, the, the main theme of, of Batman Forever, the musical theme, it definitely takes a lot of cues from the animated series. Which... That one? The one to serve. Uh, no, I mean like... Cuts in whenever he says car. I mean like the, the main theme. Like the... The... Da, 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 da. The one that Anthony just mentioned. That's ah, that's not anyone in this one, is it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. was it? Yeah, it, it was in the very beginning. It's just in a different tempo. Yeah, they do da 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 Something like that. They just changed the tempo up, but it is the same 
theme, which admittedly I haven't. I, okay. Full disclosure, uh, I haven't seen the other two. I haven't seen Batman or Batman Returns. I am planning to watch them very soon. Wait, let's so, Wait, 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 wait. No, I haven't seen <laughs> No, I haven't seen them. I, I, what? Dude. I, I'm, I'm not, I haven't been a movie watcher. Oh my God. Like, you my entire life. Your entire friendship. <laughs> By omitting that. The first episode, when I'm gone to go fight crime in a couple months here, uh, (laughs) you two should record together should be Batman or Batman Returns. It will be Batman and Batman Returns. (laughs) Because I need to hear Anthony yelling at you, Sam, (laughs) for this thing you've done. Okay, well, hey, look, alright, I already have Batman at home. I have the DVD of it right now. Then why? How long have you owned it? No, I haven't owned it. It's in Netflix. Oh, like I just got it. So I haven't... Okay. So I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Okay. Okay. Alright. Listen, I'm not gonna be a dick about this, but... I do I... have a problem with you right now. <laughs> I... I am... I completely understand. I agree with you guys. Yes, I have, a, I have a problem. Our Facebook page is still pretty dead. Come on, Sam. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> Just specifically for not having seen this movie to hear that one who's five. That's, uh, I'm pretty sure the first Batman came out before we were born. Ben, you need to the, find an app or something and put a timer. Start it right now. A timer for how uh, long how long Sam still hasn't seen Batman. <laughs> and it's just gonna keep going until he finally sees it. I'm gonna watch it before. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> You've seen the Adam Bart's yeah. one, though, right? No, I haven't. That one is also at home, though. I have those two. 
I have those two. Those ones I am going to watch. I'm going to watch him this week. Batman Forever is more like the Adam West one than the Tim Burton one that came right before. Oh no, I, I, I figured that. <laughs> like, I'm just trying to wrap my head around that you've seen <laughs> Batman Forever. And so, in a way, you've come in in the middle of the story. Yeah. It, it's not a story. It's no, it's not. But <laughs> okay. the original two are just gonna... They're gonna feel so much slower. This movie just, like... It's just on crack. <laughs> okay, like... So, okay. Out of all the Batman movies that have ever been made... I've seen Batman Forever, I've seen Batman Begins, and I've seen The Dark Knight. Those are the only Batman movies I've seen. That's a really... Okay. Well, I, am, I am planning to watch all of them, even the bad ones. Are you going to so, check out the 60s one? Yeah. That one I have at home also from Netflix. That one's my second favorite. <laughs> <laughs> that one. <laughs> I, I like, like that one. Okay, I have the 60s Batman and I have the first Tim Burton Batman. Those are at home right now, and I'm going to watch them this week, and then I'll, I'll get Batman Returns next, and then Batman and Robin, and then I'm going to rewatch The Dark, I'm going to watch Batman Begins and then Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises. And I might even watch Batman v Superman as well. Well, okay, so, Anthony, that brings up an interesting question for me. How would you rank the, uh, four, seven, eight, nine, counting Batman and Superman movies that are out there not counting Mask of the Phantasm because that's the best one but it's perfect oh it's so good although <laughs> it's kind of disappointed in theaters by the reveal I thought it was going to be like this really trippy ghost character the Phantom the Phantasm Mask of the Phantasm yeah, I, yeah, I'm discounting that one because it's not a live-action movie. Yeah. And also because it wins automatically, it's not fair. I would like to... Sorry, just bump the mic. I would like to 
to make sure that at the end of this podcast we spend a solid ten minutes talking about Mask of the Phantasm, though. Uh, I gotta watch it. I've seen it like ten years ago. I gotta watch it again. Okay. I just know it was amazing. But how would you rank the live action ones? That's difficult. What's my... Because you Depending on how you're viewing them, yeah. Personal enjoyment. Not a quality or budget or anything. Personal enjoyment. Okay. Just give in my in terms of personal enjoyment, and I'll base it off of my first viewings of them, not like my overtime viewings of them. It would have been Batman Returns, Fallout, uh, would be the tops. Uh, Batman Returns followed by The Dark Knight and then I would put the very first Batman the very first Tim Burton definitely be next uh, followed by Batman Begins then the rest are all kind of on the same level for, for very different reasons <laughs> but, like I can get some enjoyment out of the rest because um, they've excelled in their own unique way or own specific way, but I don't think, like, I don't like them more as a whole. Okay. okay. Like, awesome. I think Dark Knight Rises did some pretty cool stuff and they had some new moments and the, uh, the way that of course music was used really just like you just kind of locked in for this ride but you know this it's really easy to pick that apart as well so there's or things like a Batman Forever the kind of weird update to Tim Burton's gothic architecture like they they still kept the kind of surreal grandeur to it but then um, Schumacher spite the horrible graphics does all these like crazy helicopter chases and you're going 
while these like huge Ayn Randian statues. It's pretty cool visuals. Like the the way they kind of fuse the burden stuff, they kind of tried to update it a little bit, keep the concept of Gotham, and then also bring in a bunch of 1960s Adam West Batman stuff. Like, it's a really weird hodgepodge. Even though it's still at the bottom of my list. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I know, now that I'm, I'm thinking about it, like, I might have to, to renege on my earlier statement that the 60s bad is my second favorite. Because I think for me it's, it's Batman Begins is the top. And everyone I know seems like Dark Knight better than Begins, but I don't. I think Begins is the most solid one. But then Batman Returns, then Dark Knight, then the first Batman, 89, I think. Yeah. Then the 60s one, because it's amazing. Oh, I'm then sorry. I should have bumped the 60s up, up onto its own tier. Okay, keep going. <laughs> then probably this one. So this one would be my sixth of nine. Then Dark Knight Rises, then Batman vs. Superman, then Batman and Robin. Okay. I forgot about Batman and Robin. See, that's difficult for me because I actually am pretty okay with Ben Affleck's version. The, the base off the Dark Knight comic version. I don't think the problem is him. No, it's not. The movie as a whole bummed me out. But not... Like, Affleck's fine. People were laughing at the casting, but I think that every problem with the movies he's in is not Ben Affleck. The one thing I was actually curious about in the DC Universe was a standalone Affleck Batman movie. And then, no, that's not gonna happen. Cause oh, they canceled that? Uh, Affleck, to my understanding, wants out of his DC contract desperately. Well, that's too bad. Manatee noises. 
So, so my plan is I am actually going to watch them all and, well, except for Batman Forever in chronological order. So, uh, regardless of which ones are considered better or worse, I'm going to watch them all. Just because I'm, I'm curious how how the series evolved as it went along. Because I definitely... Like, I, I remember... Like, I, enjoy, I enjoyed The Dark Knight more than Batman Begins, but I think that was... I was also in a very different place in my life when I saw Batman Begins, so I don't think I enjoyed it for what it was. Like well, I did with most people do. Like I think most people think Dark Knight's the best one. Batman Begins is a really tight narrative. Yeah, I, I definitely don't think I appreciated it for what it was when it was new. I think I would appreciate it a lot more now, being older and, uh, I don't want to say wiser, but I'm definitely, like, I was, I was dumb when I was, you know, <laughs> in my early 20s I was an idiot so so yeah I, I think oh, I would enjoy it a okay. more yeah for me Dark Knight Rises in the same way that I feel Spider-Man 2 and X-Men 2 embraced that they made a successful first film, so they were able to still so kept that tone, but then played a little bit more comic booky, which is what I like, what I always wanted out of comic movies growing up. It was like one of the diff I wanted to feel like I was in a comic or watching a, just a literal comic adapted. And so a lot of times I find the sequels not so much with comic movies today, but the, the number twos hit that perfect mark for me. Where Dark Knight Rises, I mean, Dark Knight Returns, the Dark Knight, what the fuck the movie, is the movie called? Rises? Batman Returns? The Dark second of the new ones. Dark Knight, it's just the, the Dark, Dark Knight. Knight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So where I think Dark Knight, it, it benefited from all the tone and the world that was created begins 
but then was able to pull some comic stuff that I really liked and some of the over-top, over-the-top things and obviously the Joker performance was just really good because that guy committed. Yeah. I've never found uh, Christian Bale to be a compelling Batman. I just think the movies are pretty good. I think he's a more compelling Bruce Wayne than he is a compelling Batman. Yeah. Which is why I think Batman Begins is when he's used best. Personal opinion. Yeah, because he gets so. the bulk of the movie to actually do some acting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Point is, though, I'm gonna watch all of those in in chronological order, and then I'm also gonna watch the Marvel Cinematic Universe because I get to see any movies in that. I know. Send your hate mail to me. It's fine. No, that's fine. You can skip those. <laughs> uh, what about the X Men series? You uh, I'll check out parts the first of two. Yeah, the first two. I gen- I mean, with the rest of the world, I genuinely liked Logan. Mm. Yeah, well then, I thought Days of Future Past was pretty good. If we're- If we're gonna take this quick, uh, this quick X-Men universe aside, I just wanna really again, Ben, I don't, I haven't said this to you, Sam, advocate, check out Legion. It is technically in the X-Men universe, but they, they said it in the 60s, it's a TV show. Oh, it's on my list. It's, uh... Many yeah. things are on my list, but it's on my list also. It's based off of a really cool Chris Claremont character, and then it's just the, what they've done with this update on the show is just really cool and very stylish. And Aubrey Plaza's uh, unexpectedly not the best part of it. Like, she's really good, but there's all these other people and other performances that are just amazing that I didn't expect. So I was, I would say, Sam, that should definitely be on your list, but it's not 
technically one of those ones that you, you should see because they've been out for a long time. Okay. Legion? Legion. Okay. It's just... It's what I've had some of the most enjoyment out of that. It's by one of the crea- uh, the creators of Fargo. Oh, okay. Very competent. That's a really plain way of describing them. But they're, they're, like, they're good at what they do. Sweet. Okay. Cool. But... Batman Forever. So the first shots in the movie are rubber suit close-up montages. I think his crotch is like the the third shot in the entire film. Around there, yeah. Wait, did, are we just are we just getting into the movie now? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm ready to get into this film. Alright, so when we showcase new rubber suit. This one's got nipples, otherwise looks about the same as the old ones, I think. Makes drive-through jokes, specifically being McDonald's commercials. Wait, 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 wait. Drives wait. out through... What? Wait, what? wait, what? sorry, what? wait, wait. What? Did the... What? what? Did, did the... Did the Burton ones have the bat abs, though? I don't know, because I'm at a mess. I'm more square, and they looked uh, a little bit more tactical. It wasn't... It, this movie, what they were trying to do with the suit was to make it seem like it was spandex because of the way it fit him. But mm. it looked was not spandex. Right. Did he directly say it's rubber in the movie? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just curious. And he he, he drives his, his cool new car because every new Batman movie has new Batmobile. Well, both Burton movies had the same one, it just did different things. Oh, did they? Yeah. Were they quite as phallic as this one? <laughs> <laughs> that was actually oh, more... Actually, more so. Oh, that was actually my note here. Was when we were we were getting the montage of him getting dressed and then checking out the penis mobile. I mean Batmobile. <laughs> <laughs> and then 
the next thing he does is he takes his mobile, runs it down a long straight tunnel, <laughs> which only comes out when you're gonna use it and then disappears when you're done. Because he also has hologram technology in this one. <laughs> has the drive-through joke specifically for a McDonald's tie-in commercial that I saw when I was a kid and I remember that one. Uh, and I... Val Kilmer has a very distinct mouth. <laughs> it, it's a little upside down and never quite closes it. And that's all fine, but it's noteworthy how often Batman's mouth is hanging open, possibly because he can't breathe through his nose in the mask. I'm not I sure. Never, I never thought about that until you mentioned it now, and now I can't get that out of my head. It's just I can always see at least at least his front two teeth because I think that's how he has to breathe because of the nose of the mask maybe probably God. it's like those cats when they fall asleep and their tongue is still sticking out of their mouth a little bit <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Cut to Tommy Lee Jones in his first and only actually kind of scary monologue for 15 seconds. About that, yeah. Before he switches straight into weird manic energy. Mm-hmm. And then but it starts having the best time. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, it's fun to watch. And the guard. I love the guard. My god. <laughs> and it begins to demonstrate combined with Okay, so far we've seen the guard and Commissioner Gordon and Chase Meridian. Right, but I was saying that this is the guy well, okay, actually that fits too. That this guard is the man they hired as the security guard. Not the bank teller. <laughs> Not like one of the accounts in the back. Like this guy is the security guard, and that's who they gave the job to. The fact that Commissioner Gordon is the police commissioner, <laughs> who kind of just stands around and is obviously afraid of everything and waits for Batman to do things. And the ch 
Chase Meridian, this weird, horny stalker, is the psychologist they got. I think I understand how these villains happen in Gotham City. <laughs> the fire department is entirely pyromaniacs that you never see. <laughs> Every paramedic doesn't have fingers. Look, <laughs> it's a hole. <laughs> that poor security guard, too. Like, I, if I remember, there was some kind of sketchy stuff that Batman was, was doing around that guy. And then he just dropped. Well, he still was hearing it. Yeah. Yeah. He fucking stole his hearing aid. <laughs> He doesn't treat it very kindly. Also, what the hell is naive but insightful? Like, Batman's always shitting on everyone. <laughs> That's his, uh, witty... His witty conversationalist, uh, side coming out. It's called foreplay, Ben. But it just, you notice every scene they have together, it's just Batman standing and insulting her until she wants to do it. <laughs> it's called foreplay. Okay, that's weird, but alright. <laughs> I mean, you can, I mean, you can tell they're in love right from the start because they're finishing each other's sentences like eight seconds after meeting each other, interrupting each other back and forth <laughs> for an obligatory span. It's called love, Oh, God. <laughs> so, so, that the police need Batman for clear-cut stuff, like knowing exactly who the suspects are and what needs to happen, is always a little hard to cover for. I like how they don't even try this one. Where it's like, we need a SWAT team to go up there. Like Batman. <laughs> just sort of wait. <laughs> There's nothing to be discovered. There's nothing outside of the law to do. They just can't go in there until Batman gets <laughs> that acid thing was uh pretty sketchy. What the the breaks in in advance to the safe 
to set up several dozen gallons of acid. You can never, you can never analyze uh, what a one of the main rogue gallery villains does at the set of the major fight because it doesn't make sense. It all would take so much more setup. Also, just the... Like, look, I get it. You work in Gotham City. They never hire anyone for the jobs they're competent at. You're kind of just waiting for one of these guys to call you for any sort of, like, uh... If you're any sort of an MMA guy, maybe, or like, like a circus performer or a stuntman. Security guards, disgruntled security guards. Security guard, bouncer of any kind. You're waiting for some overly thematic villain to come hire you. Like, that's... That's what you're looking forward to, because Batman doesn't kill anyone, except he totally does. Mm-hmm. All the time. Community college dropouts. Yeah, but if we're being perfectly honest, like, if, if a... If a guy... I, I don't know what his name would be... Just approached me somewhere as like the hey, henchman to fight the with yeah the whizler the whizler <laughs> the whizler it's like I need you to dress dress up in bright yellow and get punched in the face by Batman but you have all the Diamonds that you can carry. Hello, young man. I am the Whistler. I'd probably do it. <laughs> like, how would you respond to him? That guy comes running up to you and, Hello, I am the Whistler. Like, Look, it's just like a, a role-playing scenario, no, that's all you said to not, me. Not a role-playing, like what's, a What's in my inventory? Like, no, 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 I'm, I'm ask, like, I'm asking if that situation happened to young Ben, like, would you, would you be receptive to that crazy person? Or, yeah, well, I mean, it depends where. Is this in, like, a park or a parking lot or one of the places where I would go to meet men when I was a kid? <laughs> no, it'd be like... It'd be like the, the place you least expected. <laughs> Chipotle. Well, okay, so or, I think there were Chipotle sponsors. You guys have so podcast sponsors. <laughs> yeah, you guys have like 
do you do, do you do like podcast ads for places or anything? No, I I haven't researched the environmental record of Chipotle, so I don't know if I can endorse them. Okay. We'll I make... do know that I like burritos. You can just say it was at a park, then see you're at a park. Okay. So, so, okay. Hold on. So, <laughs> no, wait, it's not, wait, it's not <laughs> like it went to do a scene. Like, I'm just like, <laughs> how, how would you, it's like a crazy person just walks up to you and bets like, yeah, you know what, I'm in. Yeah, I mean, if he's got, if he's got the jewels that I take as payment, then yeah. (laughs) 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 He hands me a fistful. Sorry? Where do you sell, do you just sell jewels now? I don't know, how do you start a company called Nigma Tech based on stolen tiaras? You just do. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm genuinely curious. Like, there's not really a market for that kind of thievery in our world, is there? You can't just steal, steal a bunch of jewels and then just, like, pay for stuff. I mean, I assume there's there's uh, pawn shops where they don't like need a license or a, a registration or something to buy stuff from you. But do pawn shops you don't get much? Well, no, you're, you're selling it a huge uh, markdown. Yeah. But that's true of anything. You're trying to sell. I don't think Two Face even needs jewels for like cash. I think he just keeps it. Look, it depends how high your mercantile skill is, and that, and the disposition of the the vendor to your character. Yeah, I can see why that would be the case. That's how you do it in Oblivion, anyway. Which I've spent 30 hours of my last week in. He was just... He (laughs) was straight up trying to steal that bank vault, though, right? Because it seems like he doesn't really care about what's inside of it. He already had so much time here, placed all of the contents with acid, (laughs) so he's not... (laughs) He was just there because he wanted to kill Batman, right? Yeah. It's the... One of seven, I think, traps that Batman just walks into in this movie. They're like literal traps. They're not like 
they're not like clever maneuvers, like two faces traps where I was like, okay, we have this room, right? We fill it with shit that'll kill Batman. They were like, hey, Batman, come into this room. <laughs> and he does that with like the fire cave. He does it with the acid safe. Uh, maybe those are the only two. Yeah, I can't think of... Well, at the very end, was that walking into a trap, or... I guess it was. Yeah. But he knew what he was doing. Yeah. I mean... Yeah. He's got a lot of resources somehow. I don't know how. Again, I'm not trying to give this movie or its characters really any credit. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a cartoon, and, like, it... it I feel like the first time I watched it, after having watched Batman Returns, I didn't get that until around now. But between, like, the the guy who's getting shocked with Batman's taser thing making the noise, the noise, with that glorious 90s CGI electricity, yeah, and the safe swinging back when he when he tethers the safe to some drywall, uh, and it swings back in through the hole and lines of exactly where it came from. Then I think I realized, okay, it's a cartoon; it doesn't matter. And stopped asking questions like, where did they get all these... Where did they get just the budget to attach neon lights through Tommy Guns? <laughs> <laughs> but they have it, it's fine. Uh, also, Gotham has its own Statue of Liberty with the word Gotham written on its head. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Just, uh, like, you know the part of the Statue of Liberty where nothing's written because the statue is written? <laughs> Gotham and glowing letters <laughs> on her face. <laughs> because this is the Gotham statue. <laughs> okay, so it's 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 Batman continuing his proud tradition of hanging out of helicopters on on ladders and was fine. Cut to all of a sudden, this is her point of me about the pacing, like it wastes no time because now we're at the office with Jim Carrey. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Scene. 
uh, and it doesn't, like, it's long, but it doesn't waste much time. I'll stand by that. And he's super creepy. Like, this guy is obviously mentally fucked up. Like, how does he even have that job to begin with? Well, because it, it seemed like he was... Like, at least from the outset of this film, he was, like, sort of obsessed with Bruce Wayne. Like, in the fact that he's this this brilliant inventor and uh, engineer, so he wanted to get a job there, and I guess whoever was hired him was it um what was this what was the supervisor's name like fred or frank or something i don't know but he's also a cartoon yes oh like the the mom I, I had to look up I had to look him up because I was really curious. That was Ed Bagley Jr. Uncredited right. cameo. But he's doing the same thing Tommy Lee Jones is doing, which is yeah. like we're having fun. Yeah, I hope you're having fun. There was definitely a scene the the later scene where he's testing out his box on that guy and he's trying to he's trying to out carry Jim Carrey and he fails miserably but he's still trying. Well he does the full like go cross-eyed yeah the whole reporting to the FBI Yes. CDC, the CIA, the yeah. like that whole thing. Why is Nigma obsessed with Wayne? Because Wayne, at this point, like he's not famous for inventing anything. He's just. His persona is just a rich playboy, right? Yeah. So it's like, from Nigma's, Nigma's whole thing is like, he, he what? He loves intelligence and money. He's an idol, right? Like, isn't that what idols are? Isn't people that you admire people you want to be like? Yeah. That's what it seems like. I just think Wayne is really cool then. Like, he idolizes. I would also love to be super rich and a play... Although, this one, he isn't a playboy. It seems like he's actually pretty professional. Yeah. But I would also love to be a billionaire. <laughs> that would be alright. Yeah. I would buy so much lettuce. So, but, uh, <laughs> a 
about a professional obsession then, because like part of why he's super excited to see Wayne is because he wants to propose the creation of that mind box thing, and he and he's like positive that Wayne will love it, but I don't like. I don't know why he's so positive. It's just because he's obsessed with him and with that psychosis. You just assume they'll love what you love. Well, or he has this fantasy of him teaming up with him so they can be billionaires together because of it. It's the greatest that he's ever seen. Thing. I don't know, he, like, he wants to be his sidekick. There's a lot of this going around. Yes, that's true. Actually, come to think of it, there's not any character whose primary motivation is an obsession with Bruce Wayne or Batman. Uh, in the entire film. Technically, with, with Robin's character, he at first doesn't want to have anything to do with him. He's trying to get out of there. Well, he's obsessed with Batman as soon as he figures out he's Batman. He's not obsessed with Bruce Wayne, because Bruce Wayne's just some guy. I guess they're all obsessed with Batman. And they, yeah, set, and they settle for Bruce Wayne. Wanting to be him, or fuck him, or kill him, or join him. But always something. And then they all at some point discover he's Bruce Wayne. And they're just like, oh, I guess Bruce Wayne's fine. Everyone except Commissioner Gordon. And Commissioner Gordon is also obsessed with Batman. He just never discovers the truth because he's the only detective. <laughs> so that's... <laughs> Alfred's the only real person in this entire movie. <laughs> <laughs> and he's the over-the-top British butler who used to work at Buckingham House. And he's the realest guy. <laughs> I gotta say, I legitimately laughed out loud when he pulls up Hold on, I made you a sandwich guilt trip <laughs> on Robin. Yeah, perhaps <laughs> the dogs are hungry. <laughs> yeah. I have yet to see a Batman movie where Alfred wasn't the best character. <laughs> In all of them, like it's Jeremy Irons. 
that's that's cheating. But the the <laughs> Michael the Michael Kane one good Alfred. If you say my cocaine, you're pronouncing Michael Kane like he pronounces Michael. Michael Kane. Yep. Michael Kane. Michael Kane. Yeah. Yeah? Well, uh, in the animated series, Alfred's the best. He's never not been the best. In the animated series, he takes on the GCPD in the Batcave to try to give Batman and Robin time to escape. In the Batman the Animated Series, when Barbara Gordon discovers that Bruce Wayne is Batman, Alfred immediately admits to being Batman to try cover for him. <laughs> it was the best. He just like, well, it's as you suspect. I am Big crossover thing 
because they made all of those other, I don't think they necessarily intended for them to all be in the same continuity as Batman, but they kept getting Kevin Conroy in all those other movies, and then since the animation style was close enough, they kind of unexpectedly made a DC cartoon um, universe, basically. Well, in the, uh, he still was both Mark Hamill and Kevin Conroy, they got for the DC Universe MMO. Yep. Which is the only reason I'm still in that. Because, uh... (laughs) Because I work for Batman, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) I told you my character somehow with the way you can create characters in this game. I made a character whose primary offense is just gigantic guns and he just shoots people. And in this game, Batman agrees to be my mentor. (laughs) Is his name just like Billy or something? What was your... So I teamed up with your guy once. He was oh. like in a hoodie with a mask. It just had a gun. His name was... What was his name? Oh, I think it was... I think he was just Hank. Hank. <laughs> <laughs> this guy, Hank, just wanted to work for Batman Hey, like, I know you're not super in this killing thing, man, but it's just just, just my way. I think I was like, I I rolled a character as like one of those four and a half foot tall, like, female character models, you know, like Black Sparrow or something. Yeah, she's a pretty prey. She cuts people. It's a good game. Well, no, no, no. Like, the bird of prey or the... Sarah's comic or about a group of sort of female heroines in the Batman world. Right. It's also a really short-lived, like, WB series, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. They made an attempt. It wasn't very good. Anyways, so it turns out Jim Carrey's whole grievance is the need of approval for his project. (laughs) (laughs) And who's given it, but wasn't... He was allowed to bypass all the uh, approval process. He was he was too impatient, and because of that, he now holds an, an 
unrepentant grudge against Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne even straight up offered to have a meeting set up with the guy. Right? Because he didn't have a moment right then. Yeah. And because he couldn't wait for a one-on-one -on -one meeting where he could have oh my god I was like dude he's trying to give you a meeting and he just flips out you got everything you want <laughs> <laughs> why are you a villain <laughs> so it's not a sympathetic villain. I don't give a shit. Yeah. But now it is time to be Batman. Because there's the light, and it cuts immediately to... This is when Nicole Kidman, who's also obsessed with him, breaks into a police station because she wants to fuck and this whole yeah, day she's wearing lingerie his whole day has been creepers ambushing and fawning over him in three separate settings <laughs> <laughs> It was Two-Face, and then it was this weird scientist, and now it is... What is her name? Chase Meridian. Dr. Chase Meridian. That is a bang. Right? Does it just sound like a bank, or is that literally a bank? It sounds like a bank, but I don't think it is no, a bank. Chase, Chase is a bank, but Chase Meridian is not. Chase. J.P. Morgan Chase. I think that's what it is. Okay. Yeah. And they're always getting bombed by each other and stuff, so that's yeah. fair enough. Exactly. But it's also a Meridian Bank, isn't there? Or Meridian something? Maybe, I don't know. Even if it's not really a bank, it's a bank. She's a bank. Yeah. Anyway, she's creeping his crew into it. <laughs> she's a babe bank. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of what's to do the scene. Like, she's, she's being really creepy. She says she has this great insight, which is that Two-Face uses a coin, which no, she, does, it's, it's, she does a straight-up 
Boonicall. She boonicalls him she with the spotlight. She's DTF before DTF was a thing. There's a D2F. DTF was always a thing. I know, but before we had <laughs> cell phones. Okay, that's fair. And like, also, like, she had to use the bat signal in order to let him know. Bat. Because did cell phones weren't a thing. That's true. He did, he did mention he says. <laughs> that's true. He did mention the beepers. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah, there is just a joke about it, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, he says the bat signal's not yeah. a beeper. Yes. Which, a certain audience, there's like a four-year span where that works. <laughs> and whatever, she's just, she's really creepy, it's weird. And he doesn't doesn't want her to but I love when the commissioner shows up in his pajamas he's he's there trying to figure out what's going on and then he like kind of realizes that Chase Meridian is in lingerie and then he's kind of like oh I'm I'm sorry, it's kind of a vibey gift. It's weird how he looks at Bab he's like, Do you feel safe? Are you alright? <laughs> <laughs> no, of course he does, and they practically play tuba music when he comes out. <laughs> <laughs> In his pajamas and his like trilby hat. <laughs> I was curious if you guys thought that it just seemed like uh, that Commissioner Gordon was just perma drunk throughout this movie. <laughs> It really felt like it to me, like his first, his first lines at the very beginning was like, Batman, we need your help, Two-Face Bank, he's taken over the world. Well, I, God, what is that actor's name? He's magnificent in other things. I don't know. Yeah, oh, I'm looking him up. I'm definitely <laughs> something Hitch? Is it Hitch something? Hitch something. Oh, that'd be weird. Uh, Pat Hingle. Oh, well, I got the H and I part, right? <laughs> Pat Hingle has been... Huh. I'm not but. seeing anything that's super name recognizable. He was in uh, 
all of Batman's force using sudden impact, using maximum overdrive. But I guess he wasn't ever the lead in anything. I just recognize his face as a great supporting character in a bunch of things. He's in Talladega Nights, The Runaway, yeah, just a bunch of stuff. Hmm. The Shining? What if it's every Gothamite's fault? <laughs> this is how things are. <laughs> so Hingle just made a choice and he committed to it. Okay. I can respect that. Yeah. No, he's he's he is not the problem. Oh, he played uh, Chief Paulton in Stone, which went from 1979 to 1980. Okay, mm. that's why. Okay. <laughs> Alright, never mind. Oh, yeah, she, but she full on booty calls him, and then he's like, no thank you, ma'am. And then leaves. <laughs> yeah. And he just parked out front so he can jump off the roof and land in his car. <laughs> but I have no idea how he got up there in the first place. He just, he's Spider-Man, he just Spider-Man cartoon swings around, he just fires upwards and there's something. It's never <laughs> Well, I mean, I mean, it's established later on that his car can, I mean, his car can drive up buildings, so obviously what he did was he drove up partway up the building, then jumped out of the car, letting it fall in front of the building, and then climbing up further with his with his uh, grappling hook. That's he does also have the happened. car from Spider-Man, that's true. The, uh... <laughs> that's how they up. That's how they kind of one-upped Batman Returns, because in Batman Returns, he escapes through an alleyway by ejecting two-thirds of his Batmobile on either side, and then he slips uh, like right into the alley, and all the cops smash behind him. So this is the update where they're like, last time he snuck through an alley, 
this time he goes over it. Yeah. Who's more rock and roll? So, from his third stalker of the day, we cut right back to nighttime Jim Carrey scene. <laughs> Even when I was like 10, the the literal song and dance he does was a bit much. <laughs> and <laughs> these, the, the stock sound effects... When he when he sticks the box onto onto Ed Bagley Jr.'s forehead, you know, like the little yeah. boink and then kind of noises. There's so much. There. What do you call sound effects that don't have a cause on screen? Is it non? Non-diagenic? Non-diagenic? I don't know. There's a lot of sound effects that come out of nowhere when he's on screen. Like, he'll... Yeah. He'll mime swing a bat at a baseball or something, and he'll have the baseball being hit by a bat sound effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but I mean, yeah, music like, comes on for no reason while he's dancing. It's a whole yeah, just the random, the random pipe organ music, which apparently the pipe organ is his, is his, uh, his theme instrument. Since it pops up again. Yeah, and it's just, it's supposed to be this really dark scene. He murders this guy. It's not at all dark because he's Jim carrying all over everybody. <laughs> and there's like four jokes for every joke break. And he tells them all and they don't cut any of them. <laughs> Which... It's just, it's just... I don't know, guys. <laughs> it's his movie, but I don't think that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird scene. Just emotionally, it's a weird scene. Because it's pretty intense, he just shoves the dude out a window and then... Because their company overlooks, what, a, a, a giant sewage waterfall? Right. Yeah, dam or something? Built on a dam? This is... Okay, I was curious about how much of Gotham is built, like right on cliffs because it definitely seems like a good third of it is like just facing the sea on a cliff is it just me? yeah they did the Harry Potter thing 
were in the early Harry Potter movies. It's a flat castle. Uh, in the later Harry Potter movies, it's on like all these different tiers of this rocky mountain. I don't know. So this was source material for Harry Potter. Okay. Gotcha. It makes sense. No, yeah. I, I, I buy that. They have a lot in common. Dean Radcliffe would have been a really good Robin, come to think of it. I could see that. That would yeah. be better casting. Well... You could tell I me mean, if they wrote a serious Dick Grayson story, he could be a pretty good Dick Grayson. Yeah. How old was Chris O'Donnell when he took this role on? 45. I think it was only yeah, like. I, it was, I think it wasn't even as like early mid 20s, maybe. He was He's just clearly young. not a teenager. That's yeah. yeah. It's very yes. obvious. And yeah. Okay. And he's he's bigger than I think bigger than Val Kilmer, just as far as like build. Yeah, they had to make sure that the Batman ear points were taller, so. They didn't have, they didn't disrupt the silhouette of Batman and Robin. Also, let's see, we cut from that directly to a random news story on Two Faces Origin. Oh, yeah. Wherein a dude sneaks in just a mason jar full of acid. <laughs> it just, it's, it's larger than a gun would be. But he sneaks into the courtroom and just hucks it at him. Then cut right back. Harvard holds Batman responsible for because he didn't stop him in time. Is that where his obsession with acid came from? Was being yep. hit with the face? Hit in the face? Mason Charb acid from Boss Marconi or Moroni or whoever. And really also messy way to hold and also throw acid, but still somehow make the most the cleanest scar line <laughs> on his face. Well, cause he cause he covered part of his face with with a piece of paper, which, I mean... Oh, with a manila. Yeah, so, I mean, because obviously that's... That, that, the acid won't melt through a manila envelope, but it will burn your face. 
But I guess that's just the character. The, the at this point, my favorite yeah. character is just that one, like detective he's talking to, where he's still finding matches, whatever, whatever exactly. He's just like, pull it together, Nigma. It's just, it's like the actor is talking to the actor. And I love it. It's just, this is a bit much. That extra just got super salty that day. (laughs) It's just, this movie is gonna suck. And I know. (laughs) Uh, Bruce wants to give the family full benefits, which are, and that's when the clock reel comes in. And then they cut straight from there again to Edward Nigma's crazy electricity bill house <laughs> uh, where he lives inside a carnival inside like a crawl space <laughs> and already has a Riddler yeah. costume in the corner and what the hell was that weird, that weird fiddle to Swami that he had? I think it, maybe it was some sort of like carnival gimmick, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, wasn't it and the, the Zoltar from Big? Yeah, but uh, something like yeah, Yeah. and then what like fucking black magic because it kept say it kept naysaying all of his costume options. He was like. What you what was the, the the names that he was coming up to like so Captain Kill and Captain Kill and then Question Mark Zoltar went like No <laughs> No And then when he finally put that stupid cardboard with a question mark on it. He was like, went to his, for whatever reason, one of the options for that machine was to say question mark. But what what was that machine? The answers you would get were green question mark or red no. So like, what is it solving for you? It's, it's solving the riddle. But what riddle and why is it possessed by a spirit? Those are the kinds of themes that Joel Schumacher did not explore 
in this film. No, this and it was, first it was a missed opportunity. Anytime you make the likeness of a man, a dark spirit will possess it. That's why you shouldn't do that. <laughs> so all carnival games, all mannequins, most statuary, well, all statuary. So why did Gotham, like if Tim Burton did this? Sorry, go ahead. But just Gotham with so many statues is chock full of evil spirits all the time. <laughs> and it explains pretty much everything when you think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is more just advice for our listeners. Like, if you're thinking of decorating your home, avoid uh, graven images of anything resembling man because evil spirits will happen. Yeah, that's true. That's a good, good job, Ben. I used to be a science teacher, so I know this. <laughs> good looking out. At this point in the podcast, do you think most people are asleep? Or do you have people who listen all the way through? I think... What you do is, at some point, you roll over and pause it and go to sleep. Or you listen the whole thing through, but you're asleep for the last, like, two-thirds of it. And then if you're using it the next night, you sort of just thumb through until the point at which you kind of remember and start from there. So I think this is like a night four, night five, maybe. (laughs) That's why I make them so long, so you can get a lot of content out of it, is the hope. Have you ever tried to put in suggestions later in the podcast? I'm no, not this going this to. Is a I was sacred trust. You, if you've done it. No. No. Okay. I, uh, I am. Good. This is a because sacred trust I take you very seriously. I have so few responsibilities that when I have one I made up, I have to adhere to it. <laughs> Okay, well, I have to ask Sam because he's been lying to me our our whole friendship about Batman. So I don't trust him anymore as a person. Sam, have you ever put any suggestive statements in late in a podcast? And I already don't believe you. (laughs) <laughs> that's too bad because the answer I was going to give was not to my knowledge would you crafty son of a bitch 
damn right. Okay, sorry, I was just curious because <laughs> I was looking at how long we've been talking and I was like, I wonder. So if you multiply this by so much, ah. two, it's the secret numbers too. Okay, cool. <laughs> the sacred number. All Batman's cars are really nice. He's visiting the creepy doctor. He visits the creepy doctor in her super huge nice office. Here's fighting and breaks down her super nice door. Uh, and then they act like, well that's a weird thing. She's just boxing. But listen. So, she like, she has a punching bag in her office, and she just like, works out right before appointments. <laughs> Smelliest doctor in the city. She's probably got a... She's probably got a shower. Yeah, but... You can't, like... If you're five, ten minutes for your appointment... It's still weird. Yeah, it would still kind of stink in there. <laughs> I'm just saying, her office smells like a gym floor. <laughs> Because it's also like, it's marble. You can't, I mean, you can mop it up, but you can't, it doesn't, it retains every bit of moisture you put on it until you mop it up. That's the problem with stone floors. The entire place smells like the alley behind a gym, that's all I'm saying. That sounds like a proverb or something. She's the smelliest doctor. No, that's the problem with stone From now on, I'm gonna call her. Analysis bed. Well, just for now, I'm gonna call her smelliest doctor because I feel silly saying Chase Meridian. <laughs> okay. So he gets Smelly's doctor's advice. <laughs> and then, then they he immediately guns. starts. Yep. Yeah. I said, that was the biggest flirted time then. Well, he. he Val Kilmer Bruce Wayne flirts, which is to immediately start critiquing everything in her office. <laughs> so, uh, you like bats? Whatever. You like dolls? Whatever. <laughs> it's just like... <laughs> also... He's the worst at covering for the fact he's Batman of anyone. <laughs> he like walks up to this pig, he's like, You like bats? You're like, 
Uh, might not be that. Uh, what? I'm not Batman. Do you like circuses? <laughs> <laughs> it's like this whole... <laughs> 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 I mean, how many people in that... Everyone in Batman Returns finds out he's Batman, right? I gotta watch it again, but I think so, yes. Okay. And then... Maybe Christopher Walken doesn't. No, by the end he knows because Batman... Sorry, Sam. Batman takes off his mask in front of him. And it's oh, a right, super right. dramatic scene. Well, but mean, it's also it's... made... It's made hilarious by the fact that... Yes, rubber Like, it's something that you just do casually. And Sam, when you watch that movie, pay attention. Because the eye holes in the Batman suit require, they're wide, so they actually require Batman to have eye paint around his eyes so it matches the suit. And they cut away and then cut back in that scene, so for a split second you can see how goofy it looks without the makeup before he rips his mask off. It, uh, that, that's one thing I'm very worried about having seen this movie again, because I know I liked this when I was a kid. I'm, I'm dreading the possibility that actually all of them are very bad. Because I also remember funny things from the first two. So I'm, I'm afraid if I watch Batman and Batman Returns again now as an adult, what if these are all pretty bad? Yeah, that is the danger, because I, I think I like Batman Forever more now than I did then. I, so, I think I liked it oh, pretty significantly when I was a kid. Or I just watched it all the time, because that's what kids do, and I didn't actually like it much. Yeah, just background. Yeah. Yeah. It's not... Uh, this might be the worst movie I've ever seen, like, 40 times. I've never seen, like, 40 times. The circus has its own ripped nude man statues. <laughs> in what is otherwise a temporary tent. So that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
uh, were introduced to this family all dressed as Robin. Smelliest doctor informs Batman she's met someone else on their first date. <laughs> and then this is where the movie should have started because this is the first time anything relevant happens. <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree there. This is also the scene where Batman in the middle of the room just starts yelling, I am Batman! I am Batman! Yeah, right next to the police commissioner and the gossip columnist and psychologist, no one hears him, but everyone next to him definitely heard him. That's not how sound works. <laughs> well, I mean, they, they may have heard him, but they probably weren't listening because of the fact that there were the... How many 200 sticks of dynamite in a giant ball... <laughs> Which was that a word. tiny explosion. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. But, I mean, the fact was they, they may not have been listening to him, even though he was yelling that he was Batman. <laughs> no, I mean, well, that's what he scenes himself. himself onto the circus floor and starts everybody. Yeah, if I was just at the circus, I'd be like, hey, wait a sec, is that guy Batman? Because <laughs> he's just <laughs> down there in tuxedo beating everyone up. <laughs> New MVP at this point, which is the mayor, who just gets like, what the hell you want, Harvey? <laughs> Like, <laughs> I did like that guy. <laughs> he has one line and it's the best. <laughs> and if I live in that city, I can see why I would vote for him again just based on that. Like, all his. He can't balance a budget and his. Police department is completely inept, but God, remember that time he shouted at Two Face? I was there. Landslide victory. <laughs> Every time. All these cops hide because that's what Commissioner Gordon. Orders them to do. <laughs> uh, so the carnies save the day. Yep. They are carnies in a traveling circus. So this isn't even the weirdest thing that's happened this month to them. So they've got it. 
And the Graysons really uh, stepped up to handle the situation that GCPD should have. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, no one's doing anything except these four guys. <laughs> and, and the obvious guy in a tuxedo who's clearly Batman down the floor. <laughs> if they made this movie today, do you think there'd be a prequel webisode series about the Graysons doing this kind of stuff on a regular basis? They just finally died? What, just with the actors who don't have any of the major roles? Yeah, it's just that they just had, it's a prequel series and it's like a webisode. Maybe get like, like 12 webisodes and it just shows you that the Graysons have to fight crime at every place they do a circus show. You <laughs> So it's so the Graysons is just about this traveling family that fights uh, crime that always takes place at the circus. You would have to have some reason written in why uh, the Chris O'Donnell actor who has a career son is always not there. Or maybe you do it when he's a kid. Okay. So it goes fast. Yeah. So it's like his parents fight crime. Because it's all convoluted in these comic things. Like, everybody inevitably has something where somebody fought crime in their family or their family was connected to a shadowy organization who ruled Gotham or something. So, yeah, of course, you have the last name, Harry. Yeah, something happened. So the Grayson's parents, of course, fought crime uh, when they were younger, but they also just fought crime with uh, the circus in every town they went to. Didn't they actually, was, weren't they members of the Court of Owls or some shit? The Cots? Jesus, I'm sure that Carney family is for some reason part of the Court of Owls. Yeah. But anyway, so they've got this. They, they all die. So then Bruce Wayne adopts this man. <laughs> <laughs> Police wouldn't have let him go. 
Evans' bad origin story of his name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's bad, but Alfred is so good in that scene. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Alfred's always the best part of any scene he's in. Because he flew in to save everyone that one time. You know, like a Robin does. <laughs> so that's his nickname. Robins are heroic creatures. Cut to weird chase scene. You never see what crime Batman was going to and somehow these guys just found him. He gets Two-Face to kill his own dudes a lot. He has a Spider-Man car. Somehow destroys all three cars they're chasing after him except for Two-Face's car. And now, when Two-Face is completely unattended and by himself in an alleyway, Batman, the hero who's supposed to track down and catch this bad guy, makes zero effort to apprehend him. Now it would be very easy and instead flees over the edge of a building so the civilians can deal with Two-Face. <laughs> Did no one else notice that? What is even happening? <laughs> yeah, that was just an action scene for the sake of an action scene. But, it was... but he... He kills everyone but Two-Face and then runs away from Two... Who's trying to put who in jail? You're not wrong. You're not wrong, Ben. <laughs> I was mad about that when I was ten. I'm mad now. <laughs> um, I thought that the bat signal got turned on because he and he specifically drove to go try to find those guys because they were causing mayhem to run away from them? Was that his goal? He was going to find them and run away? Because that's what he Whoa, does. No, that was stupid. That was stupid. Yeah, because then he's like... He's just, he's just trying to escape the scenario, isn't he? I thought maybe he was trying to lead them away from something. He's but doing... Then, yeah, but then he just abandons those people, you're right. 
He's doing exactly what I would be doing, except with less regard for the bystanders when all the guns are going off. <laughs> He's exactly as heroic as I would be, except that he doesn't care as much about the people he's supposed to protect as I would. Yeah, that was pretty silly. It was, yeah, it was just a really, uh... It was just, it was just there to be an action scene. And I think because Tommy Lee Jean's Tommy Lee Jones must have been guaranteed a certain amount of screen time, right? Well, I mean, he's second build, so I think he, he has to have had some sort of thing like that in his contract. Like, there has to be, I have to star in this many scenes or something. Yeah. Like, alright, so uh, I guess we'll just have you sh shoot a bazooka. <laughs> <laughs> and blow up your own goons. <laughs> that, I mean, if I was an actor, I would love to hear those words. <laughs> <laughs> like, what if in this one you fucking fire bazooka at a gal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's motivation? Never mind, don't care. <laughs> My next one is just two faces, fucking bass, and girls. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, Listen, Schumacher, it's too much. <laughs> too much. <laughs> Who are these poor, mentally unstable women? Oh, is he a lot? He's eating two dinners a day. One's made out like raw blood and cigarette butts. He should be dying. All he has is face scars. He doesn't have superpowers of like poison resistance or something. <laughs> Also, yeah. this is fun. If you watch this scene again, uh, and watch really carefully at that part where Jim Carrey's about to come out, he's standing in the corner thinking he's hidden from the camera, <laughs> and he's not for half a second. He's just hiding there. <laughs> I'm serious. Watch the scene. <laughs> That's kind of funny. That's worth I'll watch that again. <laughs> oh yeah, no, he's just in the corner like... <laughs> 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 
Unfortunately, this is when what for me is the fun part of the movie starts, which is when these two start talking back and forth and yelling at each other and it's, it's, I mean, it's Tommy Lee Jones trying to out Jim Carrey, Jim Carrey, which never works, <laughs> but it looks like he's having fun doing it. I have no idea if he is. And I just like these two. They're, this is around the same time when Val Kilmer gets super wooden. So they're the only color in the movie. <laughs> yeah. And I unironically, to this day, enjoy their stupid cartoon antics. <laughs> it's pretty good. This was also the first of I forget exactly how many, but the first of many hairstyle changes for Jim Carrey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And outfit changes, too. Yeah. Well, and they do this thing a lot where Jim Carrey gets in very close to Tommy Lee Jones' face. He's always wearing, like, these bright, sort of glitzy, skin-tight outfits, and sometimes he's just, like, hanging on Two-Face, or jumping into Two-Face's arms and stuff. <laughs> no, but I think they're doing it on purpose. Like, they very much seem like kind of a couple. To the point where in the next scene, after the robbery scene, they are literally joyriding down the street dressed as queens <laughs> with tiaras yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Riddler has while, a tiara on. Yeah, while Riddler is like hanging off of Two-Face and doing the, like, the toe point kick-up leg thing. <laughs> like, like, they're doing a, like, I think at least the Riddler is supposed to be pretty gay, because at first he's in love with, he's, at first he's in love with Bruce Wayne, and then after seeing him on the circus show, which, by the way, you don't broadcast circuses. I had that in my notes, too. It's so like, when have you ever seen this? Wayne, uh, Wayne probably did, like, a Wayne Foundation thing where for the poor children who only get PBS, we will broadcast this show tonight. The murder rate is like 
The murder rate in this town is 50% of all people. There's other news going on. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure that was, by, was broadcast on cable, not PBS. But notably, Two-Face doesn't mention Bruce Wayne at all. At that point, Riddler's entire beef is with Bruce Wayne, not Batman. He just sees Two-Face on TV and loves him and wants to go be with him. Like he used to with Bruce Wayne, and then he does. Yeah. That would be more interesting if they gave any time to it whatsoever, but it's there. I'm not making, I don't think I'm making this up. I think I'm noticing things that are actually in the movie. <laughs> and I don't, I'm not, not making fun either. It's not like, look at his costume, it's so gay. I mean, I think this character is supposed to be gay. <laughs> like, as an actual, doesn't go anywhere, but could have in a better movie thing. I forgot they jumped straight to their crime spree. <laughs> yeah. Which, which looks fun. Like, I, I could... I could join that crew. <laughs> <laughs> you just really want to be part of a super villain gang, don't you? I want to hang out with Tommy Lee Jones wearing <laughs> diamonds. <laughs> That's what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> the rest I can take or leave. Tommy Lee Jones in a room with me, teaching me how to punch dudes in the face, is a scenario I want to be in. <laughs> with diamonds. With diamonds. I mean, I want to look. I want to look. I want to look pretty. I mean, you have to look fancy. I think I can pull off a tiara. I'm not sure that many people can. I think, frankly, more people think they can than actually can. I said it. And, uh, wait, do you think I could pull one off? Oh my god, do you not think I yes. can pull one off? No, I, I think I think you need to be more of a sort of a like an opaque metal than like a glass and diamonds, but yeah. Okay. I think like a gold or a bronze or that sort of like warm color, I think you could pull off a tear. Wow. Very specific. Thank you. Well, I, you asked. I didn't think you were. Look, 
I take this podcast very seriously since okay. it's your jokes. Do you, uh, <laughs> go with kind of TR with Sam wear, then? I'm not sure Sam could pull off the TR, oh. but he could. He could pull off a crown better than either of us could. Okay. Yeah, it's true. Okay, what kind of crown would you give him? Just like one of those chunky ass ones, like a full on renaissance like crown, you know. <laughs> I'd be good something he could put something he could put his hair through and let it cascade down over. Ooh, that look cool. Yeah, like a, like a Lord of the Rings ass, like Gondor crown. <laughs> That's the crown for Sam. Sam, you, I think you should just commit to this crown lifestyle and go to work with the crown. You know what's cool is I'm pretty sure my boss would be okay with it. Yeah, do it. what? Then do it. Yeah, but I... Where do I get one? I, I can't afford... Clearly we have to steal one... From a jewelry store with our... Our, our goons. Our, yeah. Our dressed up as... Kind of luchador, kind of leather daddy goods. <laughs> yeah, combo <laughs> is the weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's actually going to be the name of my next punk band, the Luchador Leather Daddies. Luchador Leather Daddies. That's hey, not bad. That's Riddler not bad. Doesn't, uh, Riddler doesn't get henchmen, though, right? It's just Two-Face henchmen. No, everything he has, he... Look, Two-Face is the provider in this relationship. <laughs> I mean... Technically, yeah. Riddler is bringing in all the money. Uh, Two-Face has a half animal print, half $4,000 suit, and an entire loft decorated with renaissance art of two very distinct styles. He's got money. <laughs> He, he also, also has ruin the Riddler's beautiful house party that he spent a long time getting ready. He has a helicopter, he has at least four cars. He's yeah. doing fine. He has to have more than one helicopter though, right? Because he wrecked that one. And the beginning Does he ever use a helicopter again, though? Hmm? Does he ever use a helicopter again, though? I don't think so, but... No. I mean, Lots of cars. 
I think he just had the one that he accidentally uh, drove into the Statue of Liberty. Okay. Whoops. We've all been there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, guys, um, I want to talk about this dramatic laundry folding scene that happens with karate laundry. The coolest scene of the movie? Yeah. The biggest unnecessary mess on the floor that Alfred's got to deal with. <laughs> I feel like what you... What do you have to say about it, Sam? No, I, I, I just... I had to bring it up because... It's, it's in my notes, in all caps, DRAMATIC LAUNDRY FOLDING SCENE. <laughs> I feel like this bear, like this has to be mentioned. That scene was brought to you by Mountain Dew and Gogurt. It was so extreme. <laughs> Mountain Dew flavored Gogurt. <laughs> Snack packs. Yeah. For the for the cool badass twenty four year old teen on the go. <laughs> they do they do show him mopping up he swipes the mop back and forth twice before it leaves. Maybe that's something. But, uh, it, it's going to take more than that. He makes a puddle. It's all over the floor. And he washed... What, what did... How much of a load would you do? That was such a waste of water. He washed, like, six things. Well, he only has one... Whatever a motorcycle saddlebag is called. Worth of stuff, right? Like, Mo motorcycle. I mean, he is a. He is a. He is a carny. It's not like they have that many earthly possessions in the first place. So it kind of makes sense. He's yeah, probably he's far when that cool, that leisure wear, those private bruises. Mm -hmm. That was a dick move, though. Yeah, you'd hope if you, <laughs> if you live in a house with wings, you'd hope they would at least... Thank you, <laughs> Sorry, did I miss it? I missed something good. <laughs> I finally, I finally got to do a pun off of uh, Dick Grayson's name. <laughs> I don't want to repeat 
repeated and then you have to We're recording it. It's fine. I'll listen to it later. Okay. <laughs> cool. Man, Ben, you are going to have the best time re-listening to that. <laughs> this better be good. This better be good. <laughs> Alright. Chess Pong's Riddle. Listen. Security cameras could have solved this entire movie. Like, he rides up, he puts the thing on the thing, he goes away. But then we get the Nigma Tech montage. Yeah. Where you'd think people would notice the Ghostbusters cloud streaming out of their foreheads over the city. But maybe that's a feature, not a bug. Well, yeah, <laughs> sure. I had to wonder, was that technically something that people couldn't see? Like, I wasn't... I, yeah, I was... That was never made clear if that was... If that was just there for the viewing audience's benefit to know what intelligence looked like. Was that... That's what that's supposed to be, right? Was, yeah. My yeah. assumption is that people in that world can't actually see it. Otherwise, holy shit. Can they, can they hear it? Because I was thinking, like, I don't like the concept of the box, which is clearly a blender thing, not a box. A box <laughs> is a cube. But since they all play theremin for free while they work, I might get one anyway, because that's pretty dope. <laughs> but I didn't know if that was for our benefit or the... I did. I did know it wasn't actually <laughs> Oh, I thought it was a funny joke, and then I lost steam halfway through. <laughs> and we have another Jim Carrey hairstyle change. So now he, uh, yeah. this is where he looks. He actually emulates Bruce Wayne's look. Which oh, yeah, comes funny. into play a little bit later. At and the, the mole, the right? Big, yeah, the yeah. big mole. Was, so, Dick wants to break into the only off-limits room in the entire house. <laughs> and does it by shouting, Now, to himself. <laughs> and then tumbling three stories instead of pilfering the 
key from the septuagenarian housekeeper <laughs> who covers for it by saying it's a closet for the silver and then we're supposed to buy he goes and stands in this closet for about eight hours a day <laughs> because it's right there off the foyer and his comings and goings can be very easily observed dude <laughs> which it is actually I mean, the place where they keep some silver though because there's just a false door behind one of the shelves yeah. what's he What's he do? Like, you better hope there's a secret door in there. Otherwise, that old man is just like masturbating on all the silver in the house. Because he's in there for hours. And it's a like five by five room. He polishes it for hours. You still need more ventilation for that. If you're not just rubbing you with a dry cloth, you're gonna pass out from the fumes if you're polishing silver in an enclosed closet. Like, there's no... It's the worst cover story you could possibly come up with for why he's in there all the time. <laughs> And he gets into it in a ridiculous way. And Batman's security protocol is to light up and display <laughs> everything, present itself every proof of Batman that he has and what all of this here it is and it does nothing else well no no there's no, no, it, no there's there's the security alert it says intruder alert over and over again that's the security of the Batcave. There's no, like, there's no traps. There's no trap door with acid under it, which every house needs. There's not even, yeah. it doesn't even call him. Alfred has to go in, see what's happening, and then call him. It does not. Nothing. But it has, All it does is show people battlefields. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't even alert Wayne. Alfred had to call him. It's all it does is show people Batmobiles. That's the security system. It even turns the computer on so you don't have to guess the password. <laughs> it just... <laughs> it doesn't show the bat 
plane or the bat boat, though. Those stay hidden so we could use them later. True. Well, those are down... The down, but in the other sub-base room. Yeah. There's the room by the water. Where everything would rust more. And that's where he keeps the airplane. But yeah, no, it's a great assault security system. It's A+. Immediate cut to the second weird day with a shrink. Maybe an appointment? I can't tell. Bruce is still all intrusive and accusatory. <laughs> I forget what they're even talking about. This is the second or third flashback from the hamster is just saying that out loud. I think you saw this. This one he actually tells her because I wrote in my I wrote down she like Dr. Meridian is trying to be all sultry towards Bruce Wayne. And then he decides to get all depressing and talk about his parents' murder. So he actually talks to her about it. Right, but he's also acting like there are suppressed memories, but they're also his entire reason for everything he does in his life. <laughs> yeah, so... I feel like well, no. it is to be one or the other. Right. I I th I think the the suppressed memory was the book. Right. Because they entirely dropped that. Yeah. Because they. Yeah. Yeah. They just kind of let that go. Mm. Well, because it was going to be a whole thing. Yeah, but but apparently, uh, and I, when they actually comes later on, so I'll get to that. But uh, yes, they start making out. Alfred calls to say that Dick stole the Batmobile. The other car. Yeah. Which was, which was pretty okay, but why not just have something beep that says like, hey, someone's in your cave, then you would know. And then we go and see Dick showing off the Batmobile <laughs> to, I can't tell, are these... Like, people outside of a club are these prostitutes? They're just very brightly colored women <laughs> standing on the street corner. I think they were actually listed as prostitutes. Okay, the... so that's much creepier. Yeah. And he's like, hey, baby. He calls the Batmobile his love machine. 
But he says yeah, he so doesn't that's... like Tony Montana, though. Clamor <laughs> to my law machine. <laughs> you want to take like... a ride in my love machine, baby? <laughs> Why, who are you, Dick Grayson? <laughs> the button. He's a dick. He's driving around the Venusmobile. Who? So Don't he really does go out to show off this this car to prostitutes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. went to do. I mean, as Batman said earlier, chicks dig the car. Yeah. 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 And then he averts a weird neon gang rape in a laser tag arena <laughs> with just this is what, listen, this Batman is what a city, but this is, there's a hundred of these guys, it's very obvious what the territory is, because it's the day glow, black light part of town, and listen, this is what a city that knows you won't kill anyone looks like Batman. <laughs> this is your legacy. <laughs> There's an entire part of town that's the gang rape part of town you can't go to that they've painted in glowing colors and never suffered any consequences for because of how you do things. Yeah, they just kind of run away. He's like, okay, that's fine. I'm just gonna deal with Dick. It's like nothing was about to happen to someone I'm personally invested with, just a woman. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of this version of the Batmobile. No, it, it looks cartoonier than the others, but I think that's what they're going for. Looks flimsy. I mean, it, well, the, it looked like it was ripped for her pleasure, honestly. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> Well, and they even have the fins that, like, bounce when it's driving wrong. Yeah, oh, that's why it looks taken. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's clearly a fiberglass prop. That's the problem. Like, it's not... The Batman Begins Batmobile's the best Batmobile so far in that it looks like a vehicle that would be able to do things other vehicles can't. Yeah, that's, that's what I think. Really cool. 
Yeah, I don't get why he has it, because it's less stealthy than the average any car. <laughs> but it's the dopest one, because it is an actual thing that they built that can do things that other things can't. The Tim Burton one has a really nice sleek look while still being conceptually a tank. Okay, I, I could have watched that one again. Yeah, okay. I'm hmm. sorry. I stop, I'll stop bringing those up. <laughs> no, the, in the, the, the new one, the Batman vs. Superman one, is just one of those, like, superhero vehicles that can do all kinds of shit. So that one is also pretty good, but, uh, I don't get this one. I guess it can go up walls, that's handy. How does, where does Dick go? Does Batman take the Batmobile back? Yeah, he, he they cut to that thing where he's in a towel and he's giving me the revenge speech. Where Dick wants to be a sidekick all of a sudden. He's yes. like, no, you can't. This is after um, he's fighting him for a while because he thinks that Batman let his parents die. So we've got, like, Two-Face who blames him for not saving him. <laughs> Uh, Riddler who blames him for I don't even know what. For the psychologist Smelly's doctor who blames him for not being in love with her right away even though she's stalking him. Yeah, like hardcore. Uh, the commissioner who blames him for everything goes wrong in the town because he thinks his job is his. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, Batman's like freaking Obama in <laughs> this movie. Like, everything is his <laughs> Yeah, that's true. So right now, Dick is into his obsessed with Bruce Wayne arc because he wants to be his partner, even though he wanted to leave like five minutes ago. Mm -hmm. He knew he was a billionaire and he could get whatever kind of life he wanted out of it, but he didn't know he was Batman. Yeah. He thought he was going to get a motorcycle, but actually now he knows that he wants a molded rubber bodysuit. <laughs> <laughs> and to do basically what he was doing anyway. Yeah. Which is using his gymnastics to beat up a neon ripcat. Or using his laundry. Ben, I'm sure. The calm juggalos, Ben. <laughs> oh no, they are. 
I don't know anything about juggles, honestly. That's they're that's basically what they are. Really? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Don't look it up. But <laughs> the answer is I yes. Something about them made them cooler than I thought, but okay. Okay, okay. Listen, this is the dopest party ever, though. Well, yeah. You've got, like, musical instruments with, like, neon stripes on them. Just, yeah. Yeah, you've got, uh... They all just have okay, compass, which is crazy. <laughs> so one thing combined with the fact they got rid of Billy D. Williams and Marlon Wayans that made me uncomfortable was the fact that the first black characters you see are Bruce Wayne's assistant or prostitutes. <laughs> Although, but I forgot about the mayor, who's my favorite character, so never mind. <laughs> but this party is the only place in town with black people oh, uh, yeah. that are dressed as like a, a neon Tim Burton punk colonial rock band thing? Okay. That's yeah. about right. Yeah. Instead of like the brocade jackets and the, the stockings and stuff. And you know it's a good party because it's the only place in town that has people who aren't millionaires or rape gangs. <laughs> <laughs> We've got Drew Barrymore still in the weird lingerie thing. Which I didn't mention Drew Barrymore's in this fucking movie. I, I, yeah, I know. I didn't realize that until I was looking at that crowd. like, oh! She's one of two faces girls. Yeah, she doesn't say much. Not the, not of them do. Yeah, well, because... Bruce Wayne walks up with Smelliest Doctor and introduces them to Edward Nigma. The women are not introduced to each other. They don't matter. It's, yeah. it's the men introduce Because no, the men immediately trade women. Yeah, this thing yeah. fails. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. thing fails the Bechtel test all over the place. As a sign of goodwill, they present to each other <laughs> each other's women. Although I also. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry. And, and the Riddler's bragging about how he. This technology he developed with Wayne Tech property on Wayne Tech company time is now making him rich. 
Besides the security camera, Bruce Wayne could have solved this whole thing with a lawsuit. You're not allowed to do that. Like, just sue him. Everything he made is yours. And then Batman Forever doesn't end with a climactic fight. It's just... It's just... Oh my god, the court case. And then the court case is how he saves Harvey Dent by getting him back into uh, being a district attorney again. Yeah, or... Or you have a two-parter like Dark Knight did, the movie that was based on this movie, uh, where the court case, because court cases in Gotham involve so many mason jars of acid, (laughs) that's when Harvey Dent gets created and he comes in. They can team up later because now there's an actual reason to be revenged on I'm not saying that would be a good movie either. I'm just saying it would make sense. No, we fixed it. (laughs) So he doesn't just sue him. The Riddler reveals his secret plan, which is that he's Mark Zuckerberg. (laughs) He's been Mark Zuckerberg the whole time. He wants people's credit card numbers and secret fantasies. And also, he made a holodeck. Yeah. We're not going to talk about it, he just did. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the more important thing to focus on in this scene is how he's mirroring Bruce's, like, every move. Like, he looks like Bruce Wayne... And then when Bruce Wayne takes off his glasses in a dramatic reveal, because that's the only reason Bruce Wayne is wearing glasses ever is to make a dramatic reveal, (laughs) then Nygma's like takes off his glasses. And then Bruce Wayne puts his glasses back on. And Nygma puts his glasses back on. Just like he still has the obsession with Bruce Wayne. <laughs> it's fair. Well, and the bowl joke is very good. Like, actually, oh yeah, this scene is pretty well done. I think he's also doing the goofy dancing, which is just a very Jim Carrey thing, but it's funny. It, it's all fun. Oh yeah. It's a cool, it's a good fight scene. And Bruce Wayne asks the question, if you can put images into the mind, what keeps you from extracting them? It's a whole 
freaking different technology is what, Bruce? Like, if you can show people TV, how come you can't read their minds? No. No. World's greatest But that is kind of how he talks to uh, Smelly Doctor, so maybe he was flirting with Thigma a little bit. Maybe. Oh, that'd be more interesting. Yeah, but but no, I don't think so. No, if, if it would be at all compelling, it's probably not what they were doing. <laughs> we should try to view this movie in by giving it credit it doesn't deserve. <laughs> and then looking at it as this complex masterpiece. Ben's like, no, it's trash. <laughs> I'm just, I think that's too much of a stretch for me. I'm trying to do it. <laughs> so, Two-Face comes in, ruins the thing. We have, I don't think this is the same guy as the big security guy, but I couldn't tell them apart. The guy who points just says, Batman! <laughs> when he comes in through the skylight, <laughs> it's my new MVP from this point forward. It was the mayor, now it's this guy. <laughs> uh, Smelly's doctor immediately abandons her date to tell Batman to hook up at her place at midnight. That's true. Yeah, everyone punches everyone. The Riddler very publicly pals around with Two-Face who just (laughs) crashes a vent. Yeah. I still like their back and forth, but no one pays attention to anything in this town because everyone's a cartoon. I mean, it's because they're all panicking because all of Two-Face's goons are firing their guns in random directions like they went to the Imperial Stormtrooper Marksmanship Academy. (laughs) That's always the excuse. (laughs) Yeah, and that's actually, yeah, that's happened like three times or four times in this movie. Always too distracted by Two Face doing what he always do. (laughs) Because no one's gonna call police on them. Yeah, he has time to set up an elaborate trap in a cave under the, like, street. <laughs> and his oh, elaborate trap is... Up? I didn't think he... I thought that was just, like, a random, horrible, um, 
scaffolding already. I thought that was the whole reason he was there, was to set up this whole weird... <laughs> that fits, that fits with the acid thing, so even if it isn't, <laughs> I've decided you're correct. Yeah. His trap is just a tube into fire. That's his brilliant <laughs> trap. <laughs> but then he has to bury him again. He's all pissed that the first thing doesn't work, so then he, he shoots his... Yeah. He gets buried in, like, gravel, but not much of it, because he's saved from the situation he couldn't unbury himself <laughs> from... <laughs> Even though an upside-down single-arm pull is all the force it takes to drag him out of this. Like, he was under three pounds of, like, the last inch and a half of shale. There's no... See right there. That's an important scene, Ben, because the hand gripping the hand mirrors back to when he gripped his father's hand in that same way. So he's accepting Wayne as his father, Ben. It's it's a pretty intense and deeply moving moment See, in I this it... masterpiece of the movie. Oh. I thought it had something to do with them that were, they were gonna go out and start docking each other. But maybe <laughs> not. <laughs> what? Whoa! Whoa! What? Whoa! What? Did I misinterpret this scene? Now people are gonna have to look up what docking is. You did that to them. You yeah. did that to them, Sam? Yeah. That's right. I'm, ta <laughs> I'm taking over the antagonist role now. Why is everyone so bitter today? <laughs> it's a very weird energy it's been <laughs> Batman forever. Ben. <laughs> So Dick's new thing is fanboying, not vengeance, he's decided. I think vengeance is still in the back of his mind, but it's less so. Less important, yeah, I guess. So, for some reason, his new priorities being Batman's sidekick instead of uh, getting Two-Face, which it used to be. Yeah. 
Smelly's doctor apparently wanted him to come over just so she could tell him that there's someone else, which is the second time she's done this. Because that seems to be what she actually likes doing. Yep. Oh yeah, this is actually my favorite scene in the entire movie. Uh, because as he's leaving, because <laughs> after she says, you know, I met someone else, and he's like, okay, I understand. And then he turns around, and he has this giant, goofy grin on his face as he walks away. <laughs> it's like, that's my favorite fucking scene in this movie. Because it's so fucking goofy. <laughs> I forgot about that part. Yeah. It's He's funny. putting way too much into this. Like, this CGI or is it, it seemed like it, because it definitely looked like a creepily huge smile. <laughs> I don't know, but that was my favorite fucking scene in the whole movie. <laughs> it's just like the mouth that they put on uh, the mouth of Sauron in Return of the King. They just like double or triple and magnified the mouth. <laughs> yeah. God, that was a good scene in Lord of the Rings. It's not you should have watched it stuff. <laughs> oh, sorry, I'm getting a yell track. No, 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 it's a. What? It's a, What's off? We track? go back to these two. <laughs> you can't go off track in this podcast. <laughs> okay, so I want to go into a deep analysis of Return of the King before we finish this. So, uh, I'm doing that one with Joe. <laughs> <laughs> but we are. <laughs> Goes back to my favorite two, which is the villains, where uh, uh, Two Faces melodramatically crying and. Uh, the Riddler tries to console him by pointing out that now he knows who Batman is because of bats. Well, it's... Cause, no, because Batman actually went inside the box to reveal who yeah. he was. And all he got from him is that he's always thinking about a picture of a bat flapping its wings. And he was like, Batman, obviously. Eh, it's probably yeah. fair. Yeah. Cut to the melodramatic turning out the lights in the Batcave scene. Because what this... What I like about this superhero movie as opposed to any other superhero movie, it takes a huge risk in that the superhero 
halfway through decides he doesn't want to be a superhero anymore. Yeah. That doesn't happen. It's, um, it's the way they did it, though, in this movie that just makes it stand out. <laughs> because Val Kilmer put so much into how he acts the scene and how hard of a choice it is. See, the amount of acting you just put into that quote was more acting he put into that scene. <laughs> so I heard that apparently Val Kilmer and Joel Schumacher weren't talking to each other for like two weeks. <laughs> I think it might have been around here. <laughs> <laughs> what petty little punks. <laughs> Your co-workers. You just, I'm not going to talk to him. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> For candy. Sure. Driven. Because Wayne Manor is like miles from the city, right? Yeah. I don't know where it's, they. I like. It's where so did those kids come from? When they, when they open the gate to leave, there's just this long country road when they. <laughs> On the other side of the gate. <laughs> I mean, I assume what I'd be doing is driving my kids out there to, like, let's go trick-or-treating a Wayne Manor. Hmm. There's that nice old man who gives you, like, $30 worth of candy every time. That the thing. You'd have like you guys kid. used to do that, right? Like, like I I live in the part of town where people give out like mini candies, but if I hitch a ride like thirty blocks over to those big houses, then like you know, like full size Snicker bars or something. Yeah, of course you did that. That was, that was the... yeah. Yeah, that's how you that's fair. did Halloween correctly. That's how you yeah, won you, Halloween. You posse up like it's already an event. You're already getting people from a bunch of neighborhoods coming together for your friend group. Like, you're not going to stay at your house. No. Uh, 
uh, you're going to ask your two neighbors on either side because they'll recognize you and they'll feel sad if you don't, and then you're going to go to the rich people part town. Yeah? Where Wayne Manors. And then you'll feel really self-righteously angry when they don't give big candy in that part of town. <sighs> what the fuck? I came here for the king size. <laughs> what is this bullshit full size? <laughs> You did not just give me a toothbrush and toothpaste <laughs> and a little packet. <laughs> I get it. I get it. You paid for this palace because you're a dentist. But come on, man. <laughs> it's like, okay. Baked goods? Baked goods are fine. Those are arguably better. If you give me a muffin, rat. <laughs> Not what I was expecting, but a pleasant surprise. Toothpaste? No. Just <laughs> I would go trick-or-treating for some scones, man. If there was a thing, if there was a day we just got everyone baked into like really good scones dude mm. uh, I know I'm thinking this year I might have a, uh, a, a bunch of like apple pie shots good to go for like the parents <laughs> oh. the kids can't eat the parents like do you want you know, it's the, what, the apple cider with, like, schnapps in it. Mm-hmm. That sounds good. I've never had that. Oh, it's really good. You get you get one of those cinnamon whiskeys. Like, you know, there's a dozen brands of it. It doesn't matter. And some sort of hard cider, you drop the cinnamon whiskey shot into it last minute. Hopefully the cider's warm, but the shot's cold. Then if you drink it in the first, like, 10, 15 seconds, you get a very apple pie feel from it. That sounds great. I want to go celebrate Thanksgiving tonight. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, back to these two high point, blah, 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 it's Halloween. The third paramurder flashback in the same movie. Mm-hmm. Straight up cave fall origin again. With a spotlight and a giant bat or bat bat costume. Mm-hmm. Smelliest doctors slash worst psychiatrist <laughs> ever. <laughs> Interrupts his recovered memory to make out with him while he's trying to speak. <laughs> because Smelly Doctor is the worst therapist ever. <laughs> this is when the cut journal subplot really makes its absence felt because all of his flashbacks have been about this journal. Or this this red book 
that they don't mention as a journal. Apparently what was cut was it was his father's journal and when he read it his father was complaining about he didn't want to go to the movies tonight. He had stuff to do but Bruce insists and he wants to make his son happy. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. Is the last entry. And that's what he's been repressing. And that would have been something at least. But there's nothing. There's mentioned this red book a couple times and dropped it entirely. Mm. And it goes nowhere. I thought they mentioned it was his father's diary, but they never went any further than that. Yeah, you never know why that was a thing or why yeah. we care. Yeah. I mean, it's an easy thing to cut, because it all has to be is his dad's diary. You don't necessarily need to do more out of it. Well, but you also don't have to have his dad's diary there because you don't know why it's your repressed memory. That's true. That's very true. It's like, along with his cars and his motorcycles and his house and all his clothes and all our photographs, also his diary was left to me. <laughs> like, uh, alright. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no reason for you to know that, I'm just telling you. <laughs> the Riddler has ball bombs, which is great. Yeah, you, you forgot to mention the part where they murdered Alfred. Oh yes, they they cracked this like eighty-year-old yes. the head with a steel cane. Yeah, and his stuntman goes down because when you get higher def, uh, more modern than VHS uh, media to watch this on. Yeah. It's a lot more obvious when that's not Val Kilmer's chin and that's clearly not an old man and stuff like that. They were counting on the relatively low fidelity VHS for this movie. And I don't blame them for it, but it doesn't work anymore. If you can get a gif of Alfred being of his Sundle being knocked down and somehow attach it to the word this podcast is available, you should probably do that. <laughs> I'll look for it. He takes advantage of, again, security is just terrible. Jim Carrey's dick bulge is on prominent display and they even do the angles so it can be silhouetted against like backlit uh, backgrounds. 
I don't have too much to say about this one. What it's it's they come in, they yeah, they blow the place up super easily. They, they destroy the Batcave. They capture uh, Smelly's doctor. Uh, yeah. Jim Carrey for some reason cries a joygasm. At some point, uh, and then pretends he's a pitcher, and then pretends he's a pitcher for baseball. Complete with the sound effects. Yes. With with the organ. You know? With the charge! And then he throws it like, what the f. Yeah. We're just watching Jim Carrey be Jim Carrey for like three or four minutes. Yeah. Like that, okay, what? Yeah. Two-Face shoots him in the head. I think he he grazed him. He must have, right? Yeah. Yeah. But... This is the part where he's supposed to be coming to terms with things, but they cut that whole scene so he just wakes up from the headshot. And it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> is there an extended cut of this that you can see that? Or is that just gosh, you saw the cutting room floor? I I don't know. I think it's just gone, but I think there's like stills from it or something. Because hmm. at one point, Val Kilmer is facing down a giant bat, like in his study or something. It's weird dream looking screen. Hmm. But I don't know. I could find this out by looking it up, but then I would know I'd have to use the internet lose the call because my internet's pretty bad. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> so wakes back up. Cut. Sorry. No, no. I, I was. I was just gonna say that. This is one of my favorite lines of the movie. Is right after he wakes up. Because Alfred's not dead, thank God. And he informs Bruce what happened. He said that he says these in the following. He says, Dr. Meridian was taken, Master Grayson thrown away. The Batcave is destroyed. And there's another riddle. It's like, that's the worst part of it all. There's another riddle. Dear God, what are we gonna do? That's just a mega riddle, right? Yeah. Where, like, none of the previous riddles really added up to anything. It was just 
based on when he got them. Yeah. And and the 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 scene where they figure out the riddle, that's the scene that I remember from when I saw this movie as a kid. Cause it's so fucking stupid. (laughs) Cause they were. Uh, go ahead. We're leaving out two important things that happen in between. Yeah, no, I, I know, I know. I, I just one. We'll, we'll keep. We'll yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Well, one, it cuts to Jim Carrey mocking Nicole Kidman for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing of consequences said. Draw yeah. a big cut. But he does. He does show off a light-up jacket. (laughs) And two, at the police station, Jim Gordon can't figure out where the giant green laser coming from the island is coming from. He rides a giant question mark in the sky, and the commissioner's line is, Where is that coming from? And the audience can see where it's coming from because it is a laser spotlight. (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, that's no. all. <laughs> then it goes back to the riddles. <laughs> yeah, and just the... I don't know, just the... They, they, they go on this one train of thought about how all of their... all of the items they were... T- or it was, it was like items it was like a clock and pawns and something else and it was like oh they're all they're all maybe items man-made items and they try to think of it for like three seconds and then Batman or then Bruce Wayne says what about the numbers? They all had numbers. And then I know. It's like, what? Did you abandon that entire train of thought because you couldn't think of a reason why those items were would would fix fit together for three seconds. And then they think of the numbers, they look at the numbers, whatever the numbers are, and it's like, okay, well those don't make sense. What if this number is supposed to be mixed, like combined with this number? Well, if they're letters of the alphabet, actually. Yeah, what if they're letters of the alphabet? And then it's like, well, you get MRE, which is meals ready to eat, but it's also... Yeah. 
Mr. E. Mr. E. Salsa. Which Alfred's like, oh, what is it? What else does that mean? Alfred says, Enigma. It's like, that's not the first word I would have thought of when I think of a, of a synonym for mystery. You fucking kidding me? Then Alfred's like, oh, Mr. Enigma. That matches the security camera footage of the first riddle we got. <laughs> so they... And that's the line. Which shows, which shows Mr. Nigma putting it on her front porch. And that's the line that sticks, that is stuck in my head. The one thing that I remember from this movie is... Val Kilmer saying exactly Enigma Edward Enigma and then he just dramatically walks away and it's like what? So sorry very reminiscent of the 60's TV show like, yeah, I think way. that was a tribute. Yeah. Like, doing it on purpose. That's it's, very, it's... like, Adam Westy. <laughs> yeah, like, they're not... They're not thinking that's an actual way to solve riddle. They're like, hey, remember when we used to do this? It's silly. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I feel like there was more charm in the 60s version, but I also haven't seen those well, yeah. in a long time, so. But Adam West is also magnificent. Yeah. <laughs> in his way. I feel like he doesn't get enough credit, but he's the best Bruce Wayne <laughs> so far. Yeah, Bruce Wayne, yeah, I would, I think I would mostly agree with you on that particular, like, on that part of the character. Oh, he's great, he's got this, like, weird, quiet dignity to him, but it's also comedy. I know it's been said, but it's so creepy how that version of the Joker paints over his mustache. A painted white mustache is one of the creepiest things to me. (laughs) I don't don't know why. (laughs) Was that an old fiction? Uh, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, then we get, like, listen, we gotta sell some toys, so he has a new costume. (laughs) We have another montage of close-ups, including the butt (laughs) close-up. Which... I like, because it means Schumacher's getting confident. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I was like, you know what? You're still here. This is my movie. <laughs> Although, oddly, at this point, I think he's removed the nipples from the bat suit, right? It's just on Robin now. Because Batman has a much bigger chest crest. Oh, he's got that giant bat crest on that. Yeah. I thought he stole the nips. Also, I don't know where Robin came from because five minutes ago in movie, Alfred was saying he ran away. Then he's secretly back and has a costume that Alfred made for him. So what? his circus costume just in case someone didn't know Batman's identity yet. <laughs> but it's a ripped version of it. <laughs> yeah, it's the rubber. It's all, it's all rubber. Uh, and then, so he's got the plane and the boat. When they get into the boat, they shoot it out of a pipe that's like 40 feet above the water. How do they get boat back in cave? Is what Ben wants to know. Um, probably it, like, when the Batmobile went up a building, it shoots a grappling hook, and then uh, flames come out the back, and then uses that as leverage to get back in the pipe. You know what? That is a perfectly likely answer. <laughs> That's not my question. <laughs> Batman has the worst exit ramp for his plane ever. It's designed to kill him. <laughs> dodging around stalactites and stalagmites and columns and all this stuff. God, what even happens next? Well, they have the battleship scene. They play battleship to well, kill them. No, no, wait, wait. Yes, before, they do. Before that, we get the most important scene in the film because the Batplane flies by Gotham City Police Headquarters and Batman 
is looking out there. He sees Commissioner Gordon. Batman gives Commissioner Gordon the thumbs up. Oh, yeah, he does. <laughs> because, because you see the extent of Gordon's police work. He's like, oh, it looks like he's not coming. Let's go home. <laughs> <laughs> He and the one cop who works for Because <laughs> Rock could dispatch that one cop. He's his only friend. <laughs> so they're just... <laughs> All the other ones have probably been murdered at this point. <laughs> probably, actually. Where <laughs> they all joined Two-Face's gang. Because... <laughs> They want a slightly less stepped leader. <laughs> yeah. So they're they're playing battleship because they have landmines, of course. This base they've built in the last couple of days <laughs> is. I, I mean, I can't even. They know exactly what they're doing. It's crazy ostentatious. Everyone in the city knows exactly where they are. It's an island shooting lasers 24 7. <laughs> and inside, there's not much going on. It's just a tall cylindrical tube with a. with like a shitty. Super bright. It's a long cylindrical shaft with a head on it. Yeah. That extends when Batman touches it. <laughs> and in is what and it is. In that they have a throne with monkeys on either side of it. Of course. And a big comfy couch and then two tubes that can be dropped into the into the bottom <laughs> of the and lasers yeah many question mark lasers that can't be seen from outside it's just for the benefit of the residents Question mark lasers. <laughs> and it's got it's got holy rusted metal. Oh yeah. Yeah. That I was okay with that. That was, yeah, that was fun. That was yeah. Yeah. Mines for some reason. There's, there's one very specific scene where Robin's swimming where just from the angle and his pose the codpiece background is backlit for a solid two seconds where he just sort of holds legs spread wide apart underwater. <laughs> Also, definitely on purpose. 
Batman has to beat all these divers, cause there's also a giant laser on top of the frickin' island. Which you don't need sea mines and the laser. You could aim the laser down. That's all you need. It's a laser. Yeah, so all this knowledge that the Riddler's been sapping, what is it? Does, like, it feels good, obviously. It looks like you're getting an orgasm when you have one of those wands on your forehead. Is it, does it just feel good, or... Is he getting smarter? It's not too, it's not really explored. Well, listen, you don't know that he f it feels good because everyone at all times in this movie has an orgasm <laughs> during their lines for some reason. Like, like, Smelly's doctor does all the time, but so does, like, the gossip lady. So mm -hmm. does Jim Carrey. Oh, yeah. Uh, everyone but the good guys are always, like, getting on screaming their lines. <laughs> it doesn't stop. Well, we know that it feels good to have it on your forehead because Two-Face, when he, like, first checks it out and Jim Carrey and the Riddler takes it off, Two-Face like, Oh, I'll have some more, thank you! And puts it back yeah. on his forehead. <laughs> Of course, we have another hairstyle change for the Riddler here. Whereas yeah, here's now just he like, like red. Now he's Syndrome from The Incredibles, but this came first. <laughs> yeah, similar. And he's in a white version of his suit. Yeah, this is after Batman leaves the last of Two-Face's goons in a net bobbing the water to drown. Yeah. Because once they run out of oxygen, they're gonna get tired, they're gonna suck <laughs> underwater, they're gonna drown. They're netted to a buoy in the middle of the <laughs> that way he'll know where to find their corpses. <laughs> Islander the two giant metal fowls. Random laser spotlights are everywhere. And they're really just going for it. Like, good on them. Because... It's like, Schumacher's in his own now. This is crazy and stupid. I love it. It's the most likely to be Universal Studios, right? Yeah. 
Or playset. You can do yeah. playset. Yep, yep. Very uh, easily. You can make a plate. You can make a scale playset out of an old gumball machine. Just have a little. You can drop Snowy's Doctor to your death at home. <laughs> Yay! My <laughs> <By> toy <laughs> Two Face is really unimpressive. He comes out and gets beat up, and that's his whole confrontation. And uh, his wins by pulling a gun on Robin, which for some reason is <laughs> unprepared well, I mean, He has that moment of clarity where it's like, okay, I'm not gonna kill you. I'd rather see you rot in jail. And of course, Two Face is like, oh, thank you, son. Batman's taught you well, pulls out a gun. It's like, you fucking idiot. Yeah, but yeah. also, like, like, you should be prepared for. Yeah, I mean, I know it's just a rubber suit and it actually serves no function whatsoever except to hide, like, the internet in Batman's ears. Hmm. <laughs> Because at the very beginning of the movie, he looks up what what a bat is, and it's not wrote on Wikipedia while he's talking, so that's pretty handy. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Meridian, and she's all like, huh. <laughs> he corrects her, he's like, uh, Mr. Dr. Meridian, uh, bat. Is not actually a rodent. She's <laughs> like, oh wow, thank you. I didn't know that. Because he's Googling in his eye things. <laughs> and his eye things are about to come up in a big way. Except they, they don't get what they are and why he's doing it. It's revealed Two Face has super speed. <laughs> because in the time that it takes Batman to climb this ladder to the lair, Two Face has gone down, been beaten up by Robin, pulled the gun, Robin, and carried him back up to the top <laughs> with his super speed. Which makes sense as to why Batman wouldn't chase him when all of his goons were dead, because super because he has super speed and he couldn't catch him anyway. This is the choice scene that ripped off for Dark Knight. <laughs> Where he can always save one of them. He has to literally choose between a woman he doesn't seem to like that much but feels like he should and Dick. Huh. He chooses both because you're not going to put him in a box. He's Batman. And the climax of the movie is he puts little 
eyeball things up for his eyes so he can throw his boomerang better. <laughs> I don't know how that helps him or why he couldn't before. He blows up the Ark with all the souls in it they've been collecting with the weird Ghostbuster beams all yeah, over town. Whatever that was about. What? Yeah, I, I don't even know what it was. <laughs> Suddenly the floor is gone and he has to go do the Spider-Man thing, but successfully. Is there anything they do? What I miss? The final scene is that whatever the fuck, they didn't even like give it a real ending. The final scene is them just Batman and Robin running in front of the spotlight. No, there's oh, there there's a couple other things. First, Two-Face uses a super speed to get down there faster than they fell down there. <laughs> because of the super speed. Yeah. <laughs> and then he flips his... <laughs> so, I don't think this is part of the script. Oh, like, the actor yeah. Val Kilmer has to remind the actor Tommy Lee Jones... <laughs> There's only one thing Two-Face does, he's forgetting to again. He's like, uh, Tommy, aren't you supposed to flip your, flip your coins, your whole psychology, it's your motivation for everything? Would you... <laughs> yeah, that definitely happened that way, good call. <laughs> Uh, and then he confuses him with a bunch of coins he throws. And listen, where did he keep the coins? I saw the butt shot. I know he didn't have any change in his pants. <laughs> I know he didn't have anything in them pockets. So... <laughs> Where were these coins? Maybe in, uh, in Riddler's weird cylindrical studio apartment, there's just like a bucket of coins up there somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, and probably. You're right. Batman found it. I, I, would, I would just like to think that Batman was holding those coins in his hand from when he left Wayne Manor, like half an hour earlier. And he's been waiting. Left. Yes, it's just it's like, my hand, I'm so tired of holding these things. Can you please just flip his stupid coin? <laughs> yeah, so he did orchestrate the moment, so. Yeah. So he 
With the death of the of Two Face, Batman has killed literally everyone who's crossed him <laughs> except for the Riddler. <laughs> so he goes back up to the Riddler, who has another new hairstyle, because all of his intelligence was reversed out of his brain he got he got too much and when you get too smart you go insane yeah I thought you just got depressed but I guess in this one you go insane I wouldn't call him too smart but uh, well cause wasn't he sucking up IQ or did he just say that as a weird thing while he was dancing with his boss in the beginning. That's yes. what I was talking about, yeah. man. Like, he, what the hell is it? He said that, but I don't think he knew what he was talking about. Well, I mean, most people who mention IQ don't know what IQ yeah, is in the first place. Also. He's gonna be really good at standardized testing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And then, so... Batman reveals himself to be Bruce Wayne. And of course, Jim Carrey has his freak-out moment. Uh, and then he goes... Wait, it's like we, does he reveal himself in the... We cut to Arkham Asylum, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Where Dr. Uh, sorry, Smelly's doctor has been yep. summoned... And they're making fun of Tim Burton, I guess, because there's Dr. Burton who has Tim Burton's hair. Yeah. Which, like, that's low. His movie's better. (laughs) They're making fun or they just didn't do a very good job paying homage. I I thought they were just paying homage. I didn't think it was an insult. Or, like, it was... Oh, fair enough. I didn't think it was a directed insult, anyway. It just seemed like... I thought there was... That was character was supposed to be in there anyway. Because I thought... I read there was a... Like, a, the opening scene was supposed to be... Arkham Asylum and Two-Face... Seeing how Two-Face escaped... And that character was there. So he wasn't necessarily like a takeoff on Tim Burton. I think. Okay, fair enough. Anyway, it could have been homage. Maybe. But, uh, so we get Smelly's Doctor, who is. Uh, she's visiting the Riddler, but he's hiding in a corner because that's what he likes to do. 
I guess she tries to interrogate him because he says he knows who Batman is. And, uh... Yeah. Yeah. After she, she says please because she has to, then he <laughs> leaps out, he leaps out from the corner with the new hairstyle yet again <laughs> and proclaims right. yeah but uh, I mean it's still it's, it's new oh, it it's new it's new look yeah yeah he's, he's still young. changing it in yeah. the uh, he's still changing it in Arkham yeah and then he proclaims himself to be Batman and then he flaps his uh, street jacket around And then yeah, they yeah. they wrap that loose end up, I guess. Even though he could have just died, everyone else has crossed Batman died accidentally. Yeah. So it's <laughs> yeah. Then uh, Smelly's doctor goes out, confirms that. The Riddler is a wacko. And then we get the gratuitous shot of Batman and Robin running to Robin running towards the camera. Yeah, one and Smelly's Doctor and Batman don't melodramatically explain why they can't be together. Oh yeah. Which I guess I got mixed up with with Batman Begins, but I swore I thought that was in this movie. It's also Oh no, he is he goes with Kim Basinger in the first one, doesn't he? Yeah. Okay, sorry. And then he he verbally announces like like the duality thing hadn't been smashed of our heads quite enough yet. <laughs> Verbally announces that he chooses to be both, which I read as a, as a bisexual <laughs> pride thing, but... <laughs> no, I mean, kind of. Like, it... I think that's what they meant for it to be about. And I would have preferred just a super gay Batman movie <laughs> where they were allowed to, but that's not that's not Schumacher's fault. That's the I'm studios. bi and I'm riding high. <laughs> I, I think he... I think he put in as many signals as he was allowed to. Uh, but it didn't work because they were too choked off. But that's that's how I read it at this point. And I Right, and then it's over. But listen, I 
will say one thing. I wasn't bored for a second. I had the exact opposite impression you did, Sam. Well, okay, that whole thing, I was thinking something. Okay, watching it the first time, when when I was just watching it for the sake of watching it, it, I don't, I don't honestly remember which scenes I thought were slow, because when I watched it with, when I was like taking notes, it definitely was a much quicker watch, and it was not gonna say more entertaining. But there were definitely a lot more things that I could figure we could make fun of. Fair enough. So. Hence my eight pages of show notes. <laughs> did we did we get to all of your notes or were there other oh, no, things we, you wanted? We skipped to... like half of it because we talked for an hour and a half about Everything before the movie started. Sorry. I think some of that was some legitimate analysis of the character. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. But I'm okay with skipping half of my notes because it was all just like basic shit. Okay. It was just like something that happened. We covered everything. Oh yeah. Just don't let me don't let me talk over you. But if you're good, you're good. No, I'm good. No, I'm good. We 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 covered it. I think we covered pretty much everything I needed to talk about. Nice. Well, so that was Batman Forever. Is there... Can you end this by playing Kiss from a Rose? (laughs) By Seal? (laughs) No, I think that gets us flagged for, uh... Oh. Sam? Sam, can you sing some Kiss by a Rose by Seal? Uh... I don't know the lyrics. I I kind of know the Off because that's too good and we'll probably <laughs> also start a copyright infringement <laughs> takedown. That was so good, <laughs> No, dude, I am not. I am not as smooth as Seal. 
either the singer well, no or the other aquatic mammals. <laughs> no one's well, because we'll see all that's not fair. What? Uh, no, fuck forces. The manatees. Get out. Jesus. <laughs> Get the fuck out right now. Oh my god. Racist. I can't believe Fucking racist. racist. <laughs> I, I do resent Howard Osmond steals things. That's some body issues that I have. Yeah, we, uh, we got too many folds. Ooh. Hello? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I feel like uh, we, uh, we accomplished something here tonight. Now, was was Kiss from Rose, like, written for this movie? Or was it just he... Because I know he did a music video that drew a lot from this movie, but it was, was one of those, like... 90s licensed songs, or was it already pretty big and they used it in this movie? Was it in this movie? I thought it, it was a different was, song. No, this something was else, like right? the standout song for like on playing on the radio that was attached to this movie because the whole thing was like I think the the trailers with this I think were supposed to kind of highlight the relationship with Smelly Doctor. Right. Hmm. I mean I mostly know Kiss from Rose at this point from that one episode of Community where they karaoke it. I forgot it was in this movie. But I do remember the music video was very Batman Forever. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the lyrics. First 32 words are nah, so I'm good at that point. <laughs> yeah, and now your roses in, now your roses in bloom, a light hits the gloom on the grave. Is it about his parents being dead? I thought it was on the gray, not the grave. Yeah, you're probably right. I don't know, man. I barely remember being kissed by Rose, because that's the freaking title. <laughs> right, right. I remember that three-part piece that Sam did, but all I remember is the word pain. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> 
whenever you believe something, you believe. Uh, yeah. I'm a kiss from Rose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so 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 just for just for uh, for uh, for clarification's sake, uh, Kiss from Rose came out in 1994, uh, before okay. Batman Forever Rose came out. It says it was re-released in '95. It was included on the Batman Forever film soundtrack, helping it top the charts in the U.S. and Australia. <laughs> but it wasn't. So it, it wasn't. It wasn't written for. No, it wasn't written for the movie. It just okay. just had allusions to the movie. Unexpectedly. It's not the tone of the movie at all. <laughs> that well, movie. neither is like the Prince songs from the, uh... Like, they use in that one scene where he's spray-painting all of the... the pictures, but most of the soundtrack from the original Batman movie had nothing to do with the movie itself either. So this is emulating that what they did in the first movie then? I'm just saying it's not a new... Yeah, the tonal distance wasn't new for this movie. It seemed to be how the new soundtracks in general. For yeah, me. And apparently, I'm sorry, I'm just not, I'm reading more about the song, because cause it has two music videos for it, because there's the first one that was set in a photographic studio and was co-directed by Matthew Rolston and William Levin, no one cares, it doesn't matter. But the second version was the one you guys are talking about. It was actually directed by Joel Schumacher. Uh, it has Seal performing the song Beside the Bat Signal, interspersed with clips from the film Batman Forever with one clip from <laughs> Batman Returns. <sighs> yeah. What so, clip? It, it doesn't say. Uh, the more popular video of the song uh, it doesn't matter. Whatever. But remember, Joel Schumacher was the music video guy. Yeah, exactly. So, for, yeah, movies. Yeah. And possibly okay. after. Well, so seeing this, the, the song wasn't in the movie at all. It was 
was the song that played when the credits started. I thought that was, was a Stephen I, song. I thought it was like the second that was, song. Yeah, that wasn't the that, Yeah, that wasn't the first song. The first song was something was it like later too, wasn't it? Oh, you're probably right. I had it. I just had it. I just left it playing. So I remember hearing it in the credits, though. You know what's weird? I actually did. I usually watch the credits till the end. I didn't watch the credits all the way through. Which is why oh, I don't right. remember this song being in there at all. <laughs> But also, to this day, like, Kiss from a Rose is not associated with Batman Forever in my head, but now that Flaming Lips song is from, from Edward Nygma's, uh, yeah. Oh, that's oh, what that was. Yeah. 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 Yeah, uh, for some reason that song I was supposed to be back in this damn movie. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think it was. I think it was a U two song. Hold me, thrill me, kiss me, kill me. I think that was the first song at the end of the credits, right? Or am I wrong? I might be wrong. Uh, you're probably right. I don't know. Uh, so let's see. There's, there's you two. There's PJ Harvey. Brandy. Seal. Massive Attack and Tracy Thorne. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know any of these people. Mazzy Star. Eddie Reader. I know Mazzy Star, but I only know a couple of her songs. One of them was this. Uh, the Offspring to the cover of Smash It Up. Uh, Nick Cave. Method Man with a song called The Riddler. What? <laughs> This is from the sound. This is from the soundtrack, not from the score. So I don't know. Not, but I'm I'm looking that up though. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Well, listen, I don't hate this movie. Mm-hmm. I. I'm not sure I can recommend it. No, you know what? I recommend it. I don't recommend it the way I recommend, like, Batman Begins or Batman The Dark Knight, because they're not taken seriously. It's a cartoon. I also don't recommend it the way I recommend original Batman. Well, not original. Uh, 80s Batman and Batman Returns because that's sort of a dark cartoon. But this is doing a thing 
and I like enough of it, and I can sort of see the traces of where they were trying to do something a little bolder and it got erased, that I think I still like it. But I probably won't watch it again for at least like five years. Mm. Sam or Anthony? I'll, I'll go because I think Anthony will will end on a more positive note. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I okay. I also didn't hate this movie, but I. I guess watching it as a consumer, I didn't enjoy it. I will admit that, well, I mean, the the goofiness was okay, but I definitely think it was, I probably enjoyed it more as a kid. It, It felt just a little too goofy for me but on the other hand I mean like you guys were talking about earlier this was this was sort of like that the sort of wild west for superhero movies because people didn't know exactly they didn't know there wasn't like an established way of making a superhero movie so like Tim Burton had his style Joel Schumacher had his style what other superhero movies were there even at this time uh Superman 3 and 4 were coming around it that's when that really fell apart yeah so there, I mean, there was. Although that that might have still been ten years. I think before, that was before. Sure. I don't know. Point is, there wasn't like an established idea or a, or a way of how people thought superhero movies should be made. So, in that sense. Like, it was sort of a trailblazer, but in the other hand, uh, docking. I don't, I don't know. Why? Why? People are trying to sleep. Yeah, well, now they can dream about talking. <laughs> also, oh my guys, god, Sam, you just put a suggestion in their heads. <laughs> also, you guys might think I was saying something about talking, but I was actually talking about 80s hair metal band Dawkin. Anyway, 
This movie's not good, but I also don't hate it. So, much like talking. It's not a very... It's got a very distinct style. Like, oh yeah, I know the Tim Burton style, and I at this point know the Batman Returns slash Batman Robins style. Like, it's this crazy carnival laser tag thing that he's doing. Yeah, there's, there's, there are so many gasoline explosions and 90 CGI electricity and just sparks flying everywhere. Just, it's, it's a very 90s movie. Yeah, but I... I'm just saying, like, uh, not to undercut anything you were saying, but like, love it or hate, you gotta admit it. It has an aesthetic. Oh, that absolutely, it does. Puts out there into the world. Oh yeah, in a pretty strong, kind of incredible way. Oh, definitely. Yeah, it it definitely like Schumacher had a vision. And he saw it through as, like, as to the bitter end. So I will give him credit for that. Still doesn't mean I like the movie. But it's not like, it's not terrible. No, it's totally it's, It's not, like, Wild Wild West terrible. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, we should put that one up pretty Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Anthony, close us out, yeah. please, for the love of God. So, I don't... I would never say that she Schumacher had a vision. Because this movie reeks of like 15 executive dicks swirling in the pot like when they were making this thing. Like they were but, talking. Yeah, yeah, I was just trying to keep your feet. I got Damn you. It. <laughs> You know, I've, I've come to Sam's side on this one, right? yeah. So, all his executives were just docking each other to get this movie made. And... I'm told they were bending this bitch right now. <laughs> so negative. Uh, What's negative about talking? Ben. Jeez. Ben is very anti-talking. I know. I I get where you're coming from now, Sam. I I guess that's fair. (laughs) (laughs) 
We found my thing. <laughs> ben is going to be in, in uh, marches that are against docking. Um, I would never do what you want to do, but listen. <laughs> so, I would 100% not recommend this movie to a person. That said, this was one of the my first, like, theater experiences with Batman. Like, even though Batman Returns is top of my list as far as if I'm, if my, if how I'm rating it is based on my enjoyment when I first saw it, Batman Returns is still top of the list. But Batman Forever was one of my first, like, going to the movie experiences with Batman that I remember and there was a really flashy stupid popcorn fun that I enjoyed about it in the same way that I also saw Ninja Turtles 2 in theaters enjoyed it even though Ninja Turtles 1 is actually an unexpectedly pretty solid movie. <laughs> yeah, it is. I need to see that one again. It's been 25 years since I've seen that one. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's... God, let's pick that one. <laughs> <laughs> But in the but, same way, it's like, I don't think it's a better movie than the ones that came before it in any way. But there is a pure, almost, almost old Hollywood enjoyment that you can get out of it where it's just like, it's the movies! Yet... You make Batman get in a fight immediately, and then he's got a dame. Yeah, he's got a dame. (laughs) They love the dames. (laughs) And so, in some ways, not for the better necessarily, it is kind of that it harkens back to the old, just kind of, making movies kind of thing for Batman. So, I like it for myself. (laughs) But I will never recommend this to anybody. (laughs) That's fair. Yeah. (laughs) Alright everyone Well uh, This is a long one But we have 150% as many hosts as usual So I guess it would be (laughs) Boom Thank you so much for listening 
Any last thoughts, or can I go ahead and close this out? Uh, I think that if they're still listening to this, they should be asleep already. Jesus Christ. I, I wouldn't be surprised if people are waking up to this. Well, it's not always just sleep. It might also be, like, surgery. You never know. Well, in that case, I hope it went well and or good morning. <laughs> Talking. Alright. Okay. So, this has been Matinee Manatees. I'm Ben. I'm Sam. And I'm Anthony. Wowzers. <laughs> Thanks for listening. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> to you by our patrons over at patreon.com slash matinee manatees. If you'd like to support the show, consider becoming a patron. Donations start at just $1 a month, and half of all proceeds after hosting costs will go towards actual manatee habitat preservation. You can listen to Matinee Manatees on iTunes, the Stitcher app, and YouTube. Our music was composed by Kevin McLeod. You can find this track and much more on his website, incompetech.com.